it's very rare that I see you in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we usually do that in the morning. That so, is a good point. So thank you for making that. Oh, and I'm seeing your new background. I mean, it's similar, but it's in the new place. Yeah. Wait, is this really the first time we've... Yeah. I mean, last time, that was end of August, and you were about to move, I think. And since... So it's been a month, basically. We are uh, uh, the 28th of uh, September, so I already say it, so oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't forget it. Wow. You, you're super crisp, by the way. I want to say your camera, you're like... I can see your pores. I can see... Like, <laughs> that's, not, that's not good. See, <laughs> I, I've, I've had to, like, um, smash out a couple of videos for work. And, yeah, um, I've seen one actually. Yeah, uh, if you well, I mean, now that we're you're further back, you can see the absolute mayhem that is my office. But I had to like bring it in really carefully, and then Greg had to like clip out all of the flotsam and jetsam that was in my in my office. So yeah, but yeah, here we are getting there. Slowly. Do you do you still see me? And did you hear me? I can see you. No, I can't see you. Yeah, exactly. I cannot see myself. I'm. I'm blocked on a... Oh, hold on. Maybe it's coming back. No, don't move. That was weird. Now am I back? No, I'm uh, I have a... <laughs> yeah, face of me. <laughs> ...thoughtful portrait of you. Yeah, I know. Uh, hold on. I'm trying to go There back. we go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. My software just... Yeah, I'm, I'm on a different... This is not usually how we record this, guys. Uh, I mean, on my side, because I'm on the layout for recording as well, which is very different from the... So I'm not using the webcam, I'm using the camera and everything. So actually, the reason I'm looking at the side, Alex, is that I cannot fully see you on the teleprompter. I, I had a, a speech this morning that left it that way. And then... Oh, yeah, bit, yeah. And, and about uh, three minutes before we started recording, I realized that I had my whole setup still in filming mode and i was just scrambling to put it all back together yeah so that's exactly what uh, happened to me uh, uh, as well uh, but yeah uh, congrats uh, I, I like i like your i recognize i don't see your horn i'm disappointed no my my horn is uh wait, awaiting repairs what happened so. did it move yeah so it's the simple thing i fixed it once before but yeah yeah but, but hold on is a background the background is a background a virtual background no it's real Oh, yeah, because of the video that I'd seen, guys, they must be like, why, why are we talking about Alex's background felt last week when I saw, was it? No, actually, it wasn't you. Attaché, how do I pack? Yeah. How do I? So that was a very cool video, by the way, guys, watch it. Um, it felt that the background was closer, so it could just be the lens you chose. That's, that's right. I was, I was much closer, and um, there was some lighting. I got some very good feedback on from you, actually, and, and, and several others on Twitter about that. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. Astute observation. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm not on the highest resolution. So thank God you cannot see my pores actually on my, on my end because uh, <laughs> I'm just not doing that on HDMI. Anyway, people do not uh, let me just play the usual. I just want to tell you both good luck. We're all counting on you. Yes, good luck. I mean, we're living in a crazy world, man. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on. It's been a month and it's been like 10 years at the same time. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just... Um, yeah, I, I, the only, the only thing I'm realizing is the prices of, uh, of flights from the UK are increasing like every minute They are because obviously the, the pound is crashing against the dollar and the girl, the dollar actually is increasing against everything. I mean, the, the, the Japan yen is crashing even more and the euro is relatively crashing as well. And my video disappeared again. I'm sorry. I don't know what the hell is happening. Never mind. We're going to continue like this. Oh, I'm reappearing. <laughs> Something is going on, but as it's a podcast, you don't need a video. Yeah. I mean, um, 
So yeah, and I've seen the prices of flights, man. I mean, they're denominating dollars, I guess that's why. But I, I'm, I'm monitoring some prices for the future, and I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> it cannot just yeah. be because people are booking. It's, it's, it's not fun. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't looked in the la- in the last seventy two hours, and you're thinking, what the hell are they talking about? Go look. I dare you. Yeah, exactly. What's Especially that? living in the UK. I mean. You guys who are in the US, you have now the strongest currency in the world, probably. So everywhere else is cheap. I'm, I'm hearing actually a lot of friends that are going to Japan to make some deals because, you know, the, the Japan yen fell like 30% in a year against the dollar. So suddenly your dollar goes much farther when you are in Japan. And since Japan is reopening on the 11th of October, yeehaw, <laughs> um, I'm hearing a lot of friends going for shopping, actually. I'm saying, are you not going for food? No, we're going for shopping. Oh, okay. Oh, can you imagine Yodabashi right now? <laughs> I bought a camera like two weeks ago and I'm like, ah, I should have yeah. gone now. If I had known, I would have waited and I would have gone out and my camera disappears again. So I'm not going to mention that every time it does it. I just don't know why it does. <laughs> so Alex sees me like in bursts. But again, we're not doing live streams. Although we had a, a lot of people asking, we should do, uh, we should put that on YouTube. It's not going to be this one then because I'm disappearing <laughs> five seconds. I'm going to figure that one before we do any type of video. Um, you traveled. Actually, uh, let me play the music, the small Ken Canai's music. So you've, uh, you said last time you were not traveling, but you had to and you went to the US. Yep, I did uh, briefly to to California for work. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, that was good. Flowing flowing Virgin Atlantic for the first time in that direction in years. Got to go to that lounge for the first time in years. Oh, the the clubhouse. Uh-huh. The Hebrew, uh, nice. where I used to live <laughs> when I worked for them, and actually for years after that, while I had status, but uh, it's still a great lounge. Great. You don't have status anymore with them, right? Well, I do. I did the thing that I think you did it as well, where Although, we matched status match. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's really the only perk you get. But it so was, now, we, yeah. now basically that means we're going to be status matched on Sky Team, I guess. When they yeah, leave. that's that was big news yesterday. Yeah, right. I mean, it's uh, so they officially joining Sky Team. It felt for a long time that like, why don't you join Sky Team? You kind of already with Delta, had. and yeah. <laughs> so now it's official. So we yeah, have I finally think- an airline in the UK, which is part of Sky Team. I'm, I'm not no longer really on Sky Team. I'm the lowest, but I mean that. That I, I guess we had, we don't have the we don't have the conditions yet. But I guess that in January they say it's gonna be the case. Gonna start. Uh, we might be automatically gold, whatever the name is, on Sky Team because we are gold with a status match. I think. Yeah, I think it'll be. I always, I mean, we talked about this when I flew on Delta out of LA, like this so confusing with Virgin's relationship with Delta and their force Sky Team, what you get, what you don't get, blah, 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 blah. So hopefully this will make it slightly better. Because I like, I, I want to like Delta. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, man, no, I, I mean, I mean, you say that, and now we're gonna get. I'm gonna get all the hate, hate mails because we have a lot of Delta fans listening to us. It was it's the best airline in the world, but yeah, I, I think the advantage of the integration, besides of course the points and everything, is probably better even interlining so yeah. schedule adjustments. Uh, which, by the way, there's another US airline that was on the news for that is Emirates with uh, United. Yeah, that kind of. Yeah, I didn't see that nowhere. coming. No, exactly. Because they had that, the Emirates had that long agreement with JetBlue, which didn't really yes. actually seem to do a whole lot. I think you did. You take advantage of it at some point with no. Some sort of I the once the one time I flew JetBlue to the US last year, I 
actually enrolled on JetBlue's mm. program, which I forgot. But I should have, in retrospect, having flown only one time in November 2021, was probably stupid to not have used that for Emirates points instead of having points that I will now mm. probably lose and a status that I will probably lose. But yeah, I mean, uh, but I mean, I, 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 being still gold for how long, I don't know, on Emirates, uh, you threw me in the arms of United, really? <laughs> Yeah, I, it, it's a weird one. I, I mean, I, I think from a business perspective, it makes a lot of sense But for, for both carriers. But from a passenger experience perspective, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure how it's going to work. I, I can't imagine I'm going to take advantage of it. It's not, it's not made for people like you and me no. sitting but in the middle. Yeah, but it, it's also made, and my camera is still frozen. I'm, I'm, last time I mentioned it, so I'm sorry, mate. Uh, you're going to see me frozen for a while, and then it's going to start over again. <laughs> <laughs> and I cannot put back the webcam because the webcam is on a vertical mode, so you'd see me all vertical because the screen is <laughs> vertical. So I cannot, I'm really sorry. sorry. Uh, so, um, yeah, it makes sense probably for people in the US because then you'll have better scheduling when you fly towards Dubai than else, elsewhere. Um, that's the advantage of such integrations. You don't have to wait seven hours or, or the plane will actually wait for you because it's the uh, same booking, exactly. stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can definitely see the advantages. Yeah. Uh, so you, maybe because I'm going to do Pakistan this time. It's I be cannot a long, wait for this. I've been waiting for ages to hear about this. And trip. we've gotten so much messages as always, but a lot of people are like, Paul, really? You haven't done it for like years. Do it. So yeah, I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to do it this time. But because I'm going to speak for probably like a 40 to 60 minutes by myself, and uh, I mean, I'm going to try to be as interactive as I can. I want to start with giving Alex something to say. So tell us, how was that flight to... Um, I mean, you said, was it San Francisco you went to? or Yeah, San, Fr San Francisco. And so Virgin have two flights a day now to San Francisco. I, the, the amount of, frequen the, uh, of frequency to, to between London and San Francisco has crept up quietly, but it's, I think, like seven or eight flights a day now oh. um, between the everybody that, that, that runs that route. Um, yeah, it was good. I haven't been through T3 in ages, uh, especially through the Virgin Wing and all of the little secret upper class door that you can go through, which is just yeah. private security, <laughs> which is which is rather nice. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the, that lounge is. I th I, th I see that Skytrax those those pay for <laughs> awards that everybody uh, loves to toot their own horn about. They came out yesterday and they named that as the best business class lounge in the world. Now I can think of six or seven off the top of my head that are better than that lounge, but it is a very good lounge and the food and drink were as good as I can, as I remember. It's, I mean, you've been, you've been there. You've, you've, you've experienced. Yeah. But only once actually to the club lounge, it was when I flew to St. Lucia with uh, Virgin actually. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was my first time. It's a very it was packed. It was yeah. Packed. It was packed. I mean, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty busy okay, that okay. afternoon flight. And it's just a, it's a beautifully designed lounge. It's multi-level, which I think just adds so much to a room like that, um, as opposed to the sort of... I mean, I'm not picking on BA here. I'm just comparing it to the sort of flat aircraft hangar layout that, that some of the BA lounges are. And the food was excellent. The, the service was unbelievable. Just, I think the four or five people that I interacted with were so kind and, and proactive and just... Virgin, uh, I've forgotten what that was was like, and 
Do you, do you mean, do you, was it still, because when I went, it was, of course, we were talking about, when was it, April? So it was still kind of, you know, COVID-ish, whatever. So there was a service at the table. Is it still service at the table or is that optional? You can simply go to the... A little bit of both, but mainly service at the table. So you scan the QR code like we've all been conditioned to do now and they bring you these wonderful treats. But they also have this semi-self-service uh, deli area where you point at what you want and they serve it for you. And that, again, like, Oh, cool. Super nice, good, really good quality stuff and very, very friendly people. So I I, I think, you know, Virgin are a great option. And I, I've given up on the idea of retaining any of my stat statuses on any carrier because I'm just not traveling as much. I agree. I'm spreading just, it across all of these different carriers, which is not going to happen. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I, as soon as all these very... Um, nice offers that extended us forever during uh, the pandemic uh, lapse, I think I'm going to lose pretty much everything. And I just don't care yeah, anymore. I, I, I don't either. I think uh, yeah. it's been nice to experience some new, some new yeah. airlines. I, th I know for, I know that BA do a soft landing to silver. I would be great if Virgin did. I don't know what it, what it, what it gets you, but it's, I, do, I don't really care. And it's allowed me to experience a, a lot more airlines and, and do a little bit of, comparison shopping and and they were they were cheaper than BA and actually Greg and I both did this um auction upgrade thing oh yeah uh, a plus, plus grade, grade. Plus yeah grade. yeah and because he 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 got me onto it I, I I've used them before I think he's on Etihad once and it worked well yeah, 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 I've done that as well yeah yeah he mentioned it and I had a look and like the prices were like insanely cheap to get to premium economy and you and I, we've talked about premium economy quite a lot lately, and that it is act, represents pretty pretty decent value. And we both snagged an upgrade to premium economy. So it that is a you know small cabin. It, the the Virgin Atlantic premium economy is pretty good. It's a big big comfy seat, small cabin. The food was was good. It wasn't as rancid as I was bracing myself for. And that's not a reflection of Virgin. That's just a reflection of the current state of airline food yeah. at the moment. But I liked, I mean, to, to be completely fair, the service was no better than, than BA. It was a little bit rushed oh. and not as personable as I was hoping for oh. Oh. from Virgin. Um, I mean, there's a big, a bit of a reset probably um, after the pandemic yeah. the service. We don't, I mean, we cannot really evaluate from what the experience were before, maybe. And I, I mean, I, I can't because it's been so long since I've flown on Virgin that I can't remember what it, what it used to be like. But also, I mean, I was, of course, I had my PacX dork hat on and my customer experience dork hat on throughout the flight going, now, what's going on here? Why is this happening? Is it because there has been an influx of inexperienced cabin crew post-pandemic because everyone's trying to rehire? Yeah. Probably that you don't have those you know, that, that legacy sense of, of brand built into a generation of cabin crew who have all dispersed. Yeah. I, I think that's probably the most obvious th um, reason for it. And, th and that's fine. Um, and on the way back, I was, Greg and I were like, oh, let's, let's do plus grade again. Let's see what happens. And I, I couldn't, and then I couldn't check in. And I was like, what the hell's going on? Like, and he's like, no, I submitted my bid. And then I met, I asked him, um, like I think 48 hours because that's when we knew last time we had been successful he said no I didn't get it I'm like man I can't even I can't even check in or anything like that and then 
finally I could check in and I had been upgraded to upper class. What? Somehow. That's the so, second time that's happened in three flights with Virgin Atlantic. Do, do you think it's, so do you think it's because your Virgin hat, do you think it's because that plus grade didn't go through and they say, oops, we need to fix no, that? Or? No, I think I couldn't plus grade because they had operationally upgraded me beforehand. I think the flight was too full in economy and premium. Uh, and they just shunted me up because I had status. That That's what I thought. And it broke basically the plus grade integration. Uh, wow. I yeah, would have, that's I would have loved having that because I, 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 I status match for gold. So the, I think it's gold. Yeah. And uh, I was in premium economy, as you remember. And I was like, oh, could they not upgrade me? I've never I, been. You know, of course, I never flew. But yeah. There is. <laughs> there are other people probably in front of me. A very dim memory in the back of my brain. My dad told me this or somebody that their virgin especially were far more likely to upgrade you from economy to upper than they were from premium to upper because they were going to make more money out of the passengers and premium and the premium was always full and blah, 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 blah. There's more seats in upper than there are in premium. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that, that I got lucky. Um, Good for you. And it was, it's... Was it, uh, was it the coffin? Sorry to call that coffin. Yeah, the nice, one that Air New Zealand has, not the new suites that they've unveiled. Yeah, exactly. So I they're kind of, you're the very low on the ground when you're, when you're yeah. asleep. Yeah, which is strange for a couple of reasons. I mean, it was actually weird going back into the San Francisco Virgin Lounge because I used to love that place. But it's they have outsourced all of their lounge management, at least in the entire U.S., if not network-wide, to Plaza Premium. Oh. And that lounge yeah, a, used to be... It's a hit and miss. It is very hit and miss. That lounge used to feel like the lounge of a W hotel. It was well-designed, well-lit, cool, yeah. uh, very kind of stylish, very smooth. Now it felt a little bit like a porta cabin and Ooh. lots of temporary desks and noise. And it wasn't nearly as, as good. But that, does that mean that that lounge now is open for anyone who has some kind of Plaza Premium Access or is it still? Yes. Oh, I see. Yeah, uh, uh, Delta flights that go, I don't think there's many, if any, uh, Delta flights that go out of the international terminal. But if you have Priority Pass, maybe, certainly Dragon Pass or Dragon Card or whatever that one is called, uh, you you could get in there, but so that was a little bit disappointing. But the, you, you, your observations about pre upper class are, are are spot on compared to the previous generation, which was the OG, which had the much higher walls, and you felt like really like private. Yes, it was a little bit claustrophobic. When you're all sitting up, ready for takeoff, you look like a field of meerkats. It's <laughs> It looks quietly <laughs> ridiculous with everybody's head, but they're not expecting you to stay fully yeah, upright for the whole flight, and you sink down. And it's a it's a nice, comfortable seat. A lot of the touches still remain. There's a bar as well, right? The, the bar. I took I put some pictures on Instagram because the lighting. Yeah, sorry, yeah, of course you did. And the design is is still very, very impressive. Um, yeah, that's the one I saw to Saint Lucia. I mean, I didn't get access to but I, I saw it it looks it's just pretty nice it do people sharp. actually sit there no yeah in the olden days they did i remember you would want to avoid sitting near the bar on a red eye because it was always noisy but 
I don't know when sat there. They just half the time the cabin crew were, there, were doing their paperwork on it. They put out snacks on it as well. And the, but no, maybe it would be different doing a day flight. Um, but this was a night flight. Yeah, to be honest, besides Emirates, uh, which has their bar on the back of the 380, all the type of these lounges slash bars slash socializing places. I've seen that on Thai Airways in first class. I've seen that on, uh, of course, Qatar or something mm-hmm. on some of their 350s or whatever. Um, and I've seen that kind of, like many other airlines. I'm not going to list them all right now. It feels like the only one where people are actually going and staying for a while is Emirates. Yeah. All the rest are like almost for show. People do not go. I mean, they might go there for a drink, but there's not like a, a staff present at all times. Mm-hmm. Only Emirates does that, which probably is why people kind of, feel like they can go like as if it's in a yeah. bar or whatever. I, 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 I think you also need the volume of seats as well that Emirates have to, to yeah, justify course, it. Yeah. But it doesn't, it does, yeah, I mean, it looks cool, but that's about it. Uh, other than that, I think, you know, the Virgin, Exp- the IFE is, is, is very good. The food was outstanding. The service was really, really, really good. Um, kind and friendly and chatty without being annoying. Um, and anyway, I just I thought it was I thought it was good I thought it was a, a very nice change of pace from BA and again that's not a slide on BA it was just no of course I've gotten so used to all cabin service levels of BA that I'd forgotten what else yeah, was available out there. It's funny when you said earlier that you would um, so we were both agreeing on the fact that we would not defend our status uh, at all costs or actually it's just accept that the fact that we <laughs> might just lose them. Uh, is that you said that you will shop around and I've actually almost realized that I'm doing the opposite because I'm flying less and I'm not looking to fly more, at least for the moment being. Also, especially because the crisis is coming and I'm almost in winter mode a little bit. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna do a little bit of less elective flights. The, I tend to to basically gravitate around those that I know and trust and love, which is obviously Qatar to go to Asia, Emirates. Uh, I haven't been to the US in a year. I mean, probably there I will hesitate between BA and maybe Virgin, if I still have status by then, or, or JetBlue. But other than that, I'm the era of me going, oh, I'm going to try uh, Ever Air and whatever. I don't think I'm going to do that a lot anymore. Yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> Sorry, guys, by the way, because you're hearing that, like, maybe that was one of the attractions of this show for us to go through strange airlines. But I don't think that it's going to happen that much in the future. I don't know. I mean, for now, to be completely frank, it's price is the, is the yeah. number one driver for me. Clearly. Um same. It's going to have to be, and so I will. That's why I picked Virgin. Virgin. That was that was the the deal breaker. It wasn't because I could try a new airline. But it's funny yeah. you mentioned Qatar because if you go on the BA forum on Flyer Talk, uh, mm-hmm. people you know people go on there and they rant about BA. Um, and there are a lot of BA apologists on there, and and they're usually pretty you know, right. Uh, no, of course. And what they say. But somebody posted about going about a, a bad business class experience going to or from Doha. With BA. Or with-, with BA. And everybody, all the BA apologists, apologists were like, what are you doing? Why the hell would you fly BA on a flight on a route that Qatar serves? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Interestingly, they just. Uh- Further their their commitment to each other because you know they have like merged not merged 
they had went on an 11 play field with uh, their um, frequent flyer program. So IAVs are now transferable very easily in either direction, like in a, in a click, basically. Uh, so you still differ two different programs, but they've announced what they, they called it joint in business or something like that. Like they are new, basically they're, they're enhancing uh, Doha as a hub, including for BA. So there'll be more flights, f including on BA metal towards Doha to, to go anywhere else. And you'll be able to, you already are able to find uh, Qatar flights on BA's website and the, and the reverse. Uh, um, but they said that they will go even further in the collaboration. It's not like a single airline, but it more and more resembles as if it's like two airlines cohabiting with each other to a certain extent, obviously. And uh, which actually furthers your point. I mean, in, if that's the case, I'm even likely, even more likely to fly Qatar than BA yeah. because I'm like, I mean, unless I really want to avoid a layover to go to, to Japan, maybe I'll, I'll choose BA, but with a quality and I'll, and I'll tell the story of flying Qatar twice this year to Pakistan a bit later. I mean, why would I? And it's not a shade on BA. No, it's, <laughs> it's not. It's just, not. Like, it's just they are a, a different league. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. So, <clears throat> and uh, so, the, the, so you enjoyed your flight. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's the, that can be the the Cliff Notes version. It was it was good, and I look forward to to trying them again. And how was uh, how was San Francisco? Where are you, San Francisco? You said how San Francisco. Was, uh, yeah, yeah, just San Francisco. That's a complicated city these days on so many levels. Yeah, well, that we know. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm still envious. I haven't been to uh, California in uh, forever, and yeah. I would, I'm still missing it, no matter the uh, some of the stuff I'm hearing about San Francisco or even LA yeah. <laughs> or Portland. I actually would like to um, to go back eventually. Yeah. So yes, it's uh, yeah. I, I, to your point about being price sensitive, uh, even though it was about flying a new airline when I was flying with JetBlue, it was a price that that made me yeah. take JetBlue. I think if I were still in my, because a year ago I was still like, now I need to kind of protect my status. So I would have otherwise chosen obviously BA and perhaps Emirates flying from Athens or, or Milan, but that's that, no, it was the price. It was just like the introductory price, I think, or something. So it was, uh, yeah, I'm going to be more price sensitive uh, going forwards. Saying that, the, the, the Emirates flights I bought last uh, few weeks ago to my next destination, which won't be revealed. I mean, you know where I'm going. was eye-wetteringly expensive. Yeah. And you know what I realized because I was going on Expert Flyer, and guys, probably going to be the next episode in a month. Uh it was not due to the final destination. It was due to the fact that pretty much every single flight from Emirates, from London to, to Dubai, are full. Like you go on, you go on uh, Expert Flyer, and I was attempting like a few dates, you know, like plus plus minus four or five. Everything was full. Economy, some of them in premium economy, the, the flights will have, will have it. And uh, the only flights that had a little bit more room in were the flights from Stansted, so the triple sevens. But me, Stan said, just two and a half hours away. I mean, like, yeah, yeah I don't want to do two and a half hours to be three hours in advance to fly then seven hours. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, but I mean, I would consider it maybe if the price was really that much lower, but it was that bit that was super expensive, not the second part of the flight. And um, yeah, it's eye watering. So it's both the dollar, but simply the fact that people are booking, which is, I mean, I guess good news for the industry that people are flying. <laughs> and you can see why Emirates are so keen for Heathrow to sort their lives out so they can add more capacity because what is that I guess from London alone if you include Stansted and Gatwick they've got to be pushing 12 flights a day 14 flights 14. yeah I would say 
Maybe daily? I'm not sure. I'm saying that this just came out of my ass. And I'll, you know what? I don't I, think you're far off. I don't think you're far because off. Because there's so many from Gatwick and Heathrow, plus the at least two from, from Stansted. Uh, and then not then I mean of course it's Manchester and Birmingham I mean I mean this is Newcastle cross, yeah I mean, they're, they're all full uh, I mean they're really uh, and they're expensive as in if you compare I mean my destination had limited options but if you compare with other like Qatar is probably better pricing ish depending on where you want to go uh, no it's just like they 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 they're just very successful and there's not enough capacity I think you throw I mean, you just mentioned you were being at Ethrow. Was it the experience at Ethrow was okay? I guess right. It was not what it was during the summer when it was like chaos. Uh, no, it was it was all pretty easy. I mean, T three is. Yeah. It, I, I mean, they they were going to burn the thing to the ground anyway, but that's all been pushed back. Yeah. It's it is t it's tired and um, clunky, but you know what? It it was fine. It was fine. I'm the place I'm excited to get back to the most in that entire terminal is the Cathay Lounge, and I cannot figure out if that's going to ever happen again. But yeah, I think I've heard it's open. Yeah, it's open from time to time, mm -hmm. but you need to fly, so you need to. I guess do you can, I mean, can you go in there without being flying to Hong Kong? Yeah, any probably. One World, yeah, flight. Which so it would be Finnair. Oh wait, no, Finnair moved uh, moved to T two, haven't they? To T, yeah, I think so. So there's like uh, Qantas, Qantas, and then um, BA. Yeah, but BA doesn't really fly long haul from T three. No, so you know. but you could do, you know, if you're doing or oh, Vegas, and a few oh, others. Yeah. But yeah, it's harder and harder to get into what is a just a truly wonderful lounge. Yes, I've I've seen it a few times when it was uh, flying Emirates because it's also T three. Of course, I couldn't get into, but I, I saw it and like mm, I miss it. I mean, you Hong Kong is. I mean, people are saying Hong Kong is open. I, no, it's not, but it is ish compared to. Of course, they do. They did it the same week as Japan did. Japan basically October eleventh. We said at the top of the show, remove. We're back to pre COVID. Besides, besides, you need to have um, not two but three shots. So it's like uh, boosters included. Booster, not boosters, not yet. <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, included. So that's three shots, or you do a PCR. Uh, so that's still something. I mean, it's one of the only countries, if not the only country I've heard that is asking for uh, three Trip, shots. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, otherwise it's open. So visa-free is coming back and everything. Uh, and Hong Kong announced the same week, maybe the day before their new policy or the day after, I can't remember. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, you were looking at it and you told me like, there's like a, a test a day or something was a bit, uh, you can yeah, go to restaurants. Yeah, you can't go anywhere. <laughs> For three days. I mean, there's no hotel quarantine anymore, which is yeah. great. Uh, but that's like saying you're not getting punched in the face anymore. Great. <laughs> but you can't go into restaurants or shops or anything. In fact, it was funny. I was talking to some parents at my my son's school this morning who who were uh, part of the the tranche of people that took those special visas that the UK issued and got oh, yeah, 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 out. Yeah, yeah. And we talk about Hong Kong a lot. And I said, hey, are you guys going to plan a trip back now that they and before yeah. i could even finish they just laughed in my face <laughs> they're like no why would we do that we can't go into restaurants we can't go anywhere what's the yeah. freaking point i mean they were a little yeah, a lot more bad. elegant than that but yeah it was it it's i'm not going back it's until it's if yeah you send me the rules i think like you said three days self-monitoring which means you have to do a test by yourself i guess uh, for three days but 
and during that time you cannot enter any premises so no restaurants yeah no you you have nothing. to do a pcr at the airport and a rapid test and then you've got all these movement restrictions and then there's a, a test every single day for seven days for seven days yeah so the three first days you cannot enter it but you have to do these tests and then you further have to keep doing these tests even though you're allowed to go into places so it's not for a short trip and even for a longer one it's it's painful yeah and what happens if you're positive are you putting oh some you kind will of... go into one of those detention centers <laughs> that's a risk isn't it right yeah I mean, i'm not the uh, i mean we know that now the likelihood i mean probably we're going to get you know some kind of wave uh because that's it's winter. winter uh but i mean it's not it, that's the issue it's like uh, being having this type of uh, i think taiwan also has uh, maybe I'm mistaken. I remember that lawfully a friend of mine who lives there said, oh, yeah, now the, the new rule is that when you arrive in Taiwan, they do, they do not clean your luggage anymore because they're not afraid of the, the luggage uh, carrying COVID. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, great. <laughs> she still had to do the, the quarantine. I think that's eased up, but not to the point of the oh, full opening or whatever. I, I what can I tell you? And uh, and anyway, you know what? There's no capacity to these cities in Asia yet. You could, you could see the effect when yeah. Japan announced the opening. Uh, was it last week? Uh, immediately, people started booking, obviously, because a lot of people were like, oh, I really want to go, myself included. I'm not booking, yeah. by the way. No, no, the price has exploded, but parts of it is because there's no capacity. So BA had already planned to reintroduce flights in November, but that's a month after the reopening. So you can see that there's just capacity constraints. I mean, airlines will obviously um, add um, capacity very quickly, but probably not as quickly as people want so that the prices are calming down because it's very very expensive and of course you've got the added complication of not being able to overfly russia which oh, is yeah, adding two long. and a half to sometimes even three hours to the yeah, flight for direct yeah. and so you can yeah. see where airlines are like you know what no <laughs> yeah whereas uh but if you fly with a layover in the middle east that's fine because you're avoiding anyway but i mean it's still a long flight but it's you know, if you go to qatar or 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 Emirates, obviously. I, I have. I thought, obviously, when I heard the news, uh, I think this time, usually I'm the first to learn, but I think I was in a meeting and Matt, Matt uh, Drinkwater told me, hey, 11th of October. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> and I toyed with the idea for like, of course, 30 seconds. I immediately went like, I have all these miles. Should I, should I? And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I'm not going yet, there yet. Uh, it's not that I don't want to. Uh, it's like, first, I don't really have a reason besides holidays and, you know, I need to work. And um, I'm not sure yet about wanting to be in a place when you have to still mask outside. I mean, this is not a shade about masking because I understand and I was very much in favor of this before, but with the current situation, is it still, I don't know. It just, uh, when my friends tell me you can go into an isakaya and, and drink yourself to death without a mask and then you have to go outside and, remove it I'm like, and put it back on. I'm like, eh, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know, I, I'm with you. I I just keep thinking like, not yet, not yet, not, not yet. yet. Yeah, not yet. Probably early 2023, uh, I'll, I'll see. Or maybe maybe by next month when we record next, I'll say, oh, I'm already booked. You're right, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I doubt it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I have to fight with myself. Like, I'm like, hmm, you're like, should I, should I? <laughs> And I'm like, and my friends, of course, they are, they all send me, Paul, should we organize a party on October 11th? You know, like there was um, um, Chris and um, Shin and all, I mean, you know, some of them. Yeah. And they're like, oh, Paul, should we organize something on the, the 11th uh, evening? I'm like, no, 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 guys. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I, I wish. But you know what? That's the other thing about the change of pace bef between now and before. It's probably less also like impulsive. <laughs> 
offline than I used to. Yeah, I I think so too. I think that there's a lot less of that. I mean, it's just it's not economically viable anymore. No, exactly. That's the other thing. And uh, and you know, I don't want to talk negative or like being too negative, but I think we haven't seen the start of the crisis yet. Yeah. I mean, the winter will be tough, especially in Europe because of the energy crisis. Doesn't mean that it will impact maybe us directly. I mean, it will impact because we have to pay the bills, right? Obviously. But, you know, when the economy slows down, it means that, of course, consulting gig slows down, mm -hmm. speaking gig slows down, everything slows down. So for me, I'm like, this is what I said earlier, winter mode for me. I'm not going to go in hiding or something. No, no, like, no, that sounds I'm pretty gonna... sweet. I would do it if I was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to spend my money more sparingly. Maybe I'm very Swiss when I do that, right? The same the same way I acted just uh, in February 2020. I'm like, oh, where is that going? I'm not sure. So it's not now I'm going to, you know, buy you know, stuff with like, there's no, no tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That includes travel. I'm not, not saying that I'm not going to travel because I don't want also to put off all our listeners saying, oh, they're not going to travel anymore. I'm going to start to stop listening. <laughs> so no, we're going to travel. I'm going to a very cool destination first time next month. So, but yeah, it's just that it feels like I'd, and every, I mean, between everything getting expensive, between the potential recession, even though if it's like maybe, I don't know. We don't know. Basically, I don't know. I'm not an economist. I'm not making any financial decisions. I just want to be careful. Yeah, I think I think it's a who knows how long this lasts, but if history has taught us anything, it's not gonna be over next week. So Especially with the government we're having here. Oh, I mean <laughs> that's it's you just close these up. I mean, you still cannot see me because my software to uh, reroute the camera feed has uh, stopped working. So you're seeing a big black square, but I can see his expressions. And uh, yeah, when I said government, his face changed immensely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's yes. Yeah. yeah, well. What can I tell? What can I tell you? Uh, uh, oh well. Um, yeah. So yeah. No, we, we guys, we we are going to travel. Don't worry. There's going to be a lot of stories. Plus, there's a few backstories I want to still tell at some point. But um, and I don't, we don't want to be downers. I hope that all of you travel a lot and enjoy that. And please report back. Uh, it's uh, it's not economically viable to travel as I did in 2018, 2019. That's for sure for me, at least for the moment. Let's put it that way. Same. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Look, should I go to Pakistan? Maybe yes. I will. So, yeah, I know. I, I'm going to try to make pull you in. Because I wasn't going to let you get away with not doing it. I had I, yeah, all of, and I had thought about this in the hours leading up to this recording. Like he he, he needs. To, I, I want to hear this. <laughs> yeah, and and, I, and actually, I've got like messages, including I remember one from Mathieu Guionedulik who told me, "Are you never going to talk about your flights anymore?" Because it's true that in the last three episodes, I think last one was you. Uh, I mean, I haven't really talked about any of my flights because I don't know why. And of course, the the issue is that then it piles on, and then I have suddenly like three flights to explain for Pakistan in one go. Uh, I'll try to make it as short as I can, no, but no. also as interesting as I can. I mean, first of all, trying to talk about Pakistan, there's two things I want to mention. The first thing is obviously now it's a month. Uh, I mean, the news cycles goes very quickly, but there's been massive floodings in in Pakistan. Yeah, uh, they started actually when every time I went, and you'll see every time I went to Pakistan, something crazy happened. This time was the flooding, but just about, we're just starting actually. More than 30 million people were affected in a way or another. So, I mean, if you have the means, we just looked, <laughs> we just said there's a crisis. If you have the means and maybe the heart and uh, there's many you know, organizations can donate too, obviously. Uh, I want to say that because I, I have friends included that have been suffering. I, maybe I indirectly, you know, they include simply brownouts, lack of electricity and stuff. It's not fun. Uh, so I wanted to put that out there before I go further. The other, maybe there's a question actually. Uh, in let's 
put your mind to five years ago before I went the first time. Would you ever ever thought of going to Pakistan yourself? Yes. Good. Yes, definitely. Because for me, it was not... So I, I'm not saying I would not go to Pakistan because I, I probably would go to any place in the world. I, 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 first of all, my philosophy in life is to say yes, or just go to places. <laughs> but it was not on any list. I don't have a list. Oh, yeah. Probably I mean, don't. from that you know what I mean? no, I, I, I think you're right. It, it, I thought you were asking, would I have said absolutely not to oh, yeah, Pakistan? No, no, no. Well, I know you. But, no. Oh, you're not like that. No, I mean, to, to answer your question honestly, then, no, no, I think I'm the same. I don't, it wasn't on a, on a bucket list, I don't think. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I meant. It is one of these countries as well. And our, that reminds me of my experience moving to the Philippines. Now it's, it's been more than a decade. You know, when I, when I, when I toyed with the idea of moving to the Philippines, it's one of these countries, and Pakistan and the Philippines for me in my head is the same. What I didn't know anything about, but to the point I couldn't even pictureize, is that a word, how it looked like. Because, you know, when you talk, you know, France, you think the Eiffel Tower. The U.S., you think about, I don't know, maybe in San Francisco, the, the piers, and, and, and in New York, the, the Empire State Building. And, I mean, there are cliches, but you think about something. You, you have a, a picture mm. in your mind mm. about how a place will look, and then obviously you discover it. The Philippines, Manila, nothing. And the same with Pakistan. I have nothing. Like, I didn't know what it looked like. So that was probably also one of the reasons why it was not on any kind of list. It was like, maybe one day, but that's it. And I was in a, so it's 2017, I'm in November 2017, I'm in a conference in Paris called Hello Tomorrow. No, that, yeah, I know that's the tagline for, the, the X tagline for memories, but nothing to do with that. It's a, it's a deep tech conference, whatever. I was, I was speaking and hosting. And after two days, uh, that's when I, you remember, that's when I almost broke my foot. Oh. Uh, and I was like, <laughs> I was in the ER I on the end of day, day one. <laughs> because I ran out some stairs and arrived limping on stage. And I was limping the whole afternoon and all day too. Anyway, uh, I probably said that in a podcast at some point. Um, and the end of day two, I'm outside. I'm having a smoke. Yeah, I used to be a smoker. I still smoke occasionally. And... Uh, there's these guys next to me, and I, I don't remember the exact context. Maybe they asked me for a cigarette or for a lighter or whatever. Uh, that's the only thing. The only good thing about smoking is that you end up in these kind of groups that, you know, completely random. And I'm like, uh, where are you from? And uh, Wakas, I'm going to say, because he became one of my best friends, says, yeah, I'm from Pakistan. And I said, oh, I would like to go. That's the, the first thing I did. And he looked at me and said, really? I said, yeah, why not? Yeah, of course. Really? You would, love, you would love to come? I said, yeah, I have no idea with the country, but you know, you seem cool, like cool people because they were interacting. That was after like maybe five minutes of interacting with them. And to make a story short, uh, a few months later, got an email, you're invited to keynote speech at a big, the biggest actually uh, startup conference in Karachi, November, 2018. I was like, wow, he actually That's not only so said cool. that, but he actually, uh, that was really cool. I was really, really happy. Um, I'm going to explain the, the visa because it, that actually yeah. builds on the story that we'll tell later. At that moment, it was very simple. I had no idea how to do it. Uh, Swiss passport holder living in the UK. Um, this just sent me a paper with a stamp. I mean, of course, it was an, an electronic copy. And that said, you know, we invite you and kind of please do everything to give this person <laughs> uh, a visa on arrival, business visa on arrival. And that was it. That was the only thing I had to do. I showed up to, um, uh, it was T4 with Etihad. I was flying Etihad. I remember I told you that story back then. Oh, that yeah. When they wouldn't let me in. I remember that. The Sabre computer wouldn't find me probably like a Swiss passport yeah. with that paper resident in the UK. Classic computer says no situation. Yeah. 
and I could see it. I can remember because I was speaking with my with my with my eyes to see what the computer says, and like literally couldn't process what it was. And then they called the manager anyway. I was I was let in. Uh, that flight was a, was uh, the a three eighty. I'm not going to say the flight. I think I've already done it anyway, and it's too long. You know, Etihad is not what it used to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember that's when they 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 had the um, what was it. You know the 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 new the new lounge in T four maybe that doesn't exist the the house which is the lounge of Etihad and other leading airlines or something like oh, that oh yeah this anymore anyway that's just a an I forgot about that um, so yeah and it was the Emirates Studio the Etihad Studio which I had done the year previous on a Dreamliner to Australia it was really nice anyway the flight doesn't matter uh, I land in uh, middle of the night uh, so I think it was a, a three twenty. So it wasn't you know, smaller Etihad, but a super nice service, two-two in, in business class. And so they had paid me. The reason I chose Etihad is that I didn't choose it. They paid. They they paid for it. Oh, I see. And they told me that's important. They told me you'll have someone waiting for you uh, at immigration. Which oh, cool. Uh, which also oh, kind of tells you maybe immigration is complicated. But obviously, I had this piece of paper, which I had printed out. Thank God, by the way, I had printed out in color uh, because the stamp was in color. <laughs> so anyway, I arrive. We land middle of the night. I had learned from one of the um, one of the flight attendants. There was no ILS. So I think it was broken because I doubt that an airport like Karachi, which handles for a city of 25 million people, doesn't have an ILS. But anyway, uh, no ILS. So there's, you know, there's, I'm putting the scene because Karachi Airport is something out of, of a movie. And and I say that I'm going to, yeah, I need to say that to all my friends from Pakistan because I know they will be listening. I mean, first of all, I'm under your control. Please <laughs> send us feedback, send me feedback if I say something is wrong. But um, I say a lot of what I'm going to say is with, with a lot of love. So I we land, we taxi, we taxi. One thing, and that remained the case, very hard to get network. So obviously you're like, okay, I don't have WhatsApp. I cannot contact anyone. I'm like, whatever. You know, I'm like you, I'm used to, we're used to flying in yeah. weird places or unknown places. I'm not going to call it weird. That's That's unfair. And I arrived, so this airport is, it's middle of the night, like 3, 4, 3 a.m., I think. Well, I, can't, I can't remember. Right. Very dark. I cannot see anything. And it, there's a lot of uh, humidity as well. So the, uh, you know, the windows are all opaque. I cannot see it. So the door opens. I'm pretty much in the front. So it's fine. I'm going to start. And I walk normally. I just follow, you know, exit. And then suddenly people, I can see people starting overtaking me. Like they're, they're going pretty fast. And I'm like, hmm, what should I do now? And you're like, you, you know, our two minds. Should I go fast? But also, I'm a foreigner, so there's probably a different queue for me. Everybody else, basically, in the flight is a uh, is a local. I don't know what to do, but I'm like, you know, you're accelerating. You're like, you're going midway. I'm like, I'm not maybe going to run, but I'm going to go fast. And you know, I'm I'm tall, so I'm going a little <laughs> bit faster. There's a stairs, the very narrow stairs for some reason, and you you belt, you arrive in this immigration hall, and that's the weirdest immigration hall ever, uh, because you know usually. If, you, if I tell you immigration hall, and it's the same for all of you guys listening, you imagine you arrive at a place and you see like a, a row of yeah. different booths in front of you and you have to choose a right line for you. That's pretty much it. This, the room in front of you, there's nothing besides the exit and the booths are on the sides, like little islands. So you could, basically, you could just cross directly to luggage. Of course, there's a barrier and there's someone checking, but you need to basically go to your proper island, which is for you, which it makes, in terms of dynamics of people walking, makes no sense because, and you don't, you cannot see what is the latest island, what is written on it. And by the way, the other thing is, was nothing was written. And I'm like, 
And I know that someone is supposed to wait for me, but suddenly it's chaos around me. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do here? And I, I'm looking, you know, I mean, maybe a bit stupidly. I'm like, is there another foreigner? Because if the other foreigner does something, I might just Follow choose, choose to say, no, I'm the only one. And I'm like, God. Wow. And then, you know, of course, all the economy is like, you no know, rushing in. And I'm like, oh my, what? So, and I just pick up a, a random queue and it's chaos. People are pushing, overtaking, people are saying, and I'm like, what? the hell is going at that point i remember edge appears on my phone i'm like oh my god edge god. yeah you know edge exactly i could do a whatsapp so i send a whatsapp to the guys that were supposed to wait for me from the conference and say i'm here i'm not sure they said oh paul finally the guy says he's not finding you in my head i'm like i'm the only foreigner and i'm like five meters tall <laughs> anyway i go back i say okay i'm going off the queue and i find him he's seated next to the stairs i missed it never mind and from then on i'm the super vip i'm like a royal the guy not only leads me to uh, to across the chaos but to a private room which was built inside that, um, it's, it's, it's like an almost temporary thing. And that this woman with a lot of medals and, you know, like a very, seems very official from the immigration. She, she, she sees me very, very kindly. Now she looks at the paper, takes my passport, stamp, 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 like stamps the paper, writes some stuff down. I have the visa, so there's an actual, you know, um, um, sticker in my passport, cool. another stamp. I mean, the guy, goes with me to the luggage. I didn't have any luggage because it was carry-on only. So, and then leaves me to the exit. And my friends, I mean, they, they were not friends at that time, but they became friends, welcomed me and they took me uh, out to the hotel. And so that was, that was my first experience. And I was like, wow, that changed everything. I was like a truly VIP. I felt almost like a minister or some, <laughs> you know, going, I was like, wow, you know, like I had my private, you know, anyway, it was really amazing. So I was able to escape the chaos. Very interesting feature of, of, of Karachi Airport. When you exit, there's actually no door. You're actually outside, almost like you are in a Hawaii or something. Ah. You know what I mean? Like, like there's no like doors. You all you belch out directly outside as soon as you get out, and the, and there's like lots of people, like millions of people waiting for their relatives or friends, including my friends, and that was it. So that was my first experience. Um, I'm not going to t talk about Karachi now. I'm going to talk about my second experience uh, because so to compare. <laughs> so this time, so 20, so I, I did my speech and everything. 2019, I get invited again by a different organization. They said, Paul, we saw your speech. It was amazing. Could you come and do that? And I say, yes. And that was supposed to happen in April, 2020. We all know what happened. Then uh, they said, uh, we said, okay, let's, next year, let's see. April, 2021, uh, you remember that was a time when we started getting the vaccines and everything. And I was like, I, the rules are so complicated. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what's going to happen. So this time I refused. I said, you know what? And they said, oh, you could do it online. And I said, you know what? I really want to go. My One of my incentives to do this speech for you is because I want to be in Pakistan. Yeah. So I basically said, I'm sorry. I'd rather not do the online and wait for another year or two until we can go. Then April, so then we arrive in 2022. On the February, the end of February 2022, uh, Pakistan changed their rules. You can enter the country if you're vaccinated without any test whatsoever. I'm like, yeah, I can only go. go. Was important. One thing that was important because we you may just you just mentioned that about Hong Kong. Until that point, because they told me, yeah, it's fine, you can come. Until that point, if you were having COVID in Pakistan, you were put also like in a oh, in a center. Right. And I was like, I, 
do not trust the center. Not that I do not trust the medical system. I do not trust the location of where I'm going to be yeah. put in for 14 days. I was like, no way, I'm not taking the risk. And of course, simply taking the risk of being stuck. You know, I need to work. You know, I cannot just stay like, you know. Yeah, at least in Dubai, because when I went in February 2022 in Dubai, when there was the rule was still applying, if you were to have COVID, they would actually put you also in the center, but the center was a five-star hotel. So that would have sucked, but at least I knew what to expect because they had, re you know, they requisitioned a few five-star hotels in, in Dubai. In Karachi, and I'm sorry, guys, I'm of Pakistani friends, I'm like, I'm not trusting the system. And the worst was there was an exit COVID test. I was like, I, I'm leaving anyway. So you're not going to do me a test by, in, like preclude me from leaving. So that's why I said, no, but then February, end of February, change roles. I'm like, okay, I'm coming. This time the conference is in May. I book Qatar Airways. Uh, that was very weird. Qatar Airways was at T5 at that point. Um, so oh, the, yeah, there was that yeah, period. Yeah. yeah. So the good thing was that I had access to, of course, the first wing and access to the first class lounge, which was my first time coming back there after the pandemic. I was super happy. It was like going back to 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 places we used to hang out in 2019 and so on. Uh, there was still, you know, the weird kind of um, plexiglass windows between each seat in the in the first class lounge, the yeah. PA, which made like no sense whatsoever. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> and that was a very weird experience because you could see that clearly there was no there was no Qatar experience at, at T5 because. It was a Terminal 5C, and Terminal 5C was basically closed. None of the shops, including the, the boots and the there's another Pret, I think, maybe, whatever, nothing was open. So, and once you arrive there, as you know, it's kind of hard to come back. Uh, I mean, you can walk back. but So I waited until an hour before the flight, but there was nothing, like no, no nothing. And there was really none of the usual characters. Qatar tries to, you know, you know, tell what the experience was. So it was a very, very bizarre place. The other thing that was bizarre, obviously, was that at that point, we started to say, oh, no more masks anywhere, but Qatar Airways, you still had to wear one. And they were quite, so I had one, and, I, and as you know, like you, we never had an issue wearing a mask in a flight, so whatever, but it was just noticeable. Flight was really nice. I remember that during the flight, it was a Q-suite. During the flight, they were and I, and I believe that was because of the mask policy. They kind of knew probably that some people in business class will remove the mask and forget to put them back on. They didn't really want to be rude to passengers that would do that. So they were basically closing all the doors by default. Oh, interesting. So, and so, yeah, so what kind of plane was it? Uh, I think it was, uh, it was a triple seven. It was a pretty, I'm pretty sure it was a, a triple seven. Again, I have some notes here, which I'll go now to, so to check. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a triple seven. But they, so they, because usually they didn't do that. They were really like pushing the doors. And I, I, maybe I'm cynical, but I'm like, you know what? They don't want to know if someone removes their masks. Yeah. So the door is closed. Do whatever. It's not our problem. All the, all the staff, all the crew had masks. They were actually really, really great. Um, it was, you know, it was really, really fantastic, right? It was, it was, uh, it was, the flight was lovely. Arrive at uh, Doha. I know that some people don't like, I mean, you've seen the pictures. I know you've never been to Doha. Um, this big yellow bear that sits in the middle of the, I know some people hate it or some people criticize. You know what? It works. Yeah. It's. I was so happy to see it. I was like, <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> so uh, Incheon has one of the, something similar too, and you, there are. It's yeah, I mean, neat to see that. It's like 
at least it's unique and you know that it's you're there. You know what? There's yeah. no other you're not in a random airport. It's that and I was so happy and I I I at first I remember for the first time I saw it years ago and I was like, what what the, what were they thinking with this big yellow bear in the middle of and actually I love it. I think, and maybe it was I was too emotional being back. I don't know, and I was like too. too but I, it's 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 nice. Uh, then uh, second flight uh, that was to so Karachi. Uh, I think it, I, I don't have my notes in front of me. It might have been a three fifty. I think uh, very cool uh, as well. Also the 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 doors and everything. So um, same situation. Um, Nothing special to report about that flight. And then, so we landed here. And so this time, I have all this in my mind. I was like, okay, it's going to be a very different experience. So visa again. In 2019, they introduced an e-visa, which is great, you know, on paper especially. You're like, oh, this, you know, you go on a website, you fill out your details, everything is actually logged. There's no, it's going to be more, I don't know, orderly, I guess. So I had to do that. Trust me, it takes a long effing while to do it. Because there's one question which says, "Can you can you tell us all the flight, oh, all the destinations yeah. you've been in the last three years?" I was happy that the last three years were because it were 20, was mid 2022. It was only mid 2019 because it took me honestly, it took me an hour to feel because you have to put the date of arrival, date of departure, reason of travel, destination, country, and every and every line you do that and add and add and add. And I, you know, I, I didn't want to lie, so I put everything. I said, "Okay, fine, whatever, nothing to hide." But this time, you know, you print out a paper and uh, you just have to choose. And that's depending on your business, uh, the person, or the company, the organization who invites you. You have to put the reason and you have to choose a type of visa. So different types of visa. There's for you and me, for, uh, there's a visa called Other, which is conferences, basically <laughs> events. Um, so I fill that out and I have this paper. But the thing is, knowing from the experience I had the first time how was Karachi, I tell my... <laughs> I tell the this organization that invited me, he said, can you, do you have someone waiting for me? You know, like very innocently, you know? And they're like, oh, let us take a look, whatever. And then say, okay, you'll have a, somebody waiting for you. I'm like, oh yeah. So you're like, I'm relieved. Like I don't have to run and I'm not have to go through the nightmare of finding which queue it is, especially because we might have changed because it's a different type of paper. And, um, and, uh, and the good thing this time is that this even sent me a picture of the face of the person who's waiting for me. So I'm like, oh, great. So I can actually recognize him amongst all the people when I arrive. Similar station, the door opens, people start to run. This time I run. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be one of the first one in this crazy immigration uh, hall, which is, hasn't changed, still the same. It's this airport dates from 1947. So, and you can, you can feel that, right? It's like everything is kind of beige and brown and it feels like um, a bit- A government building. Oppressive is not the right word, but you know what I mean? It feels like sure, smaller sure. than it actually is because of the colors. Um, and I arrive and I see the guy. And so this time it's easy. I'm like, oh yeah, he's over there. I go, yeah, I'm Paul. Oh yeah, yeah. So, and because that's the thing. I am, I follow him and he just, there's no private room or whatever this time. Fine, whatever. Yeah, you know, just follow him. You know, he's an immigration officer. He starts to shout across to some other guy who is doing the stamps. We basically overtake an entire queue of people, Pakistanis. He goes in front of them without even asking, just puts my passport in front of the guy, just said, stamp, stamp, stamp. I guess that's what he said. 
the guy is like abandoning everything he's doing. There's people still pushing, like you know, there's three people in, in on. In, there's supposed to be one line. There's three people all fighting to talk to the guy to get their stamps. We overtakes every. I'm just behind. I'm like, oh my god, or whatever. And then at that point, it dawns on me, uh, and that's the thing I want. It's a bit delicate, but I'm. <laughs> I don't know how to talk about. Didn't know how to talk about. I was like, this is not standard procedure. This is. Somebody was fast-tracking you in so many situations that I've lived in other emerging country, which kind of means, do I giving something? Uh, oh, God, I would not have yeah. known what to do in that situation. I felt, you know, I felt the first time, probably, maybe it was a different, I'm, I'm not going to put the omen on the first time because I would never know. Maybe the first time was different. Maybe it was an, a very different situation. Maybe I was on an actual, some kind of VIP track. I don't know. The second time I feel, you know what? I'm like in the Philippines. I remember uh, because that was my other really long emerging um, country living memories. You can pay your way to anything. You can fast track yourself to security, fast track yourself to exit, to enter everything. And I'm like, shit. And you know, I'm I'm going to do a parenthesis about, I, I don't know how, how do you feel about that? I don't want to put the omen on you, but how do you feel about in general about this, these type of situations? I think that it, it's weird. Huh? I think it is weird. I, I would, I would not know what to have done in that, in that situation because it's, it's very, very delicate, isn't it? I right. Mean, you could, yeah, you could end up in jail. Um, if Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's very it's, I don't know, you know, I, I'm Swiss, so I was born in a country where, I'm not going to say corruption doesn't exist, probably exists everywhere, but corruption is not a thing. You assume that everybody does things with good intention, intentions. You you don't think about these things, right? Of course, the experience of living in the Philippines, and I, I'm not pointing the Philippines in a special way, just because I live there, you realize, you know, in, in other situations that, you know, stuff you do, you can... But I think there's a different, and it's horrible because I have really a, a hard... Uh, I I don't want to feel like people think that I'm a proponent of corruption because I'm not. But, you know, there's one thing if, like, you're getting fast-tracked to a security. It is another thing if it's an immigration official, right? A government. Not that I would. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? and, And I'm not here saying you should do either. I'm just saying... Once I was there, it was too late because the guys all had what had already done all yeah. this and was basically overtaking everybody, like shouting at his, probably was a superior, by the way, because it was probably shouting and it was like, you put this stamp, it just, and it was done like in 30 seconds. So in my head in 30 seconds, I'm like, what do I do? I know he's going to walk me to the, the exit, to the luggage uh, carousels. I need to make a decision. And the decision, I was like, you know what? I took a bill, I had pounds, and I uh, shook his hand. He was in the thing, he was super happy. So I mean, I, I probably took the right decision, but I was not happy to have done so. So sorry, now I'm gonna have the Pakistani police tell me that I did like corruption, but that's why I was really hesitant to talk about it. But I think it's something that some of you might experience. So was it the guy, the, the guy that stamped or the guy that escorted you? No, the guy that escorted me, because the guy basically that, that fast-tracked me, and maybe I would have gone got away with not doing, but I felt that was an. I said maybe again I'm wrong and I'm sorry and I shouldn't have maybe done it. But by the time I realized, I'm like, and you know, even and it's nothing to do with the organizers. Maybe when they understood that Paul, this guy that they have never never met, just saw on stage, was asking for somebody to help an immigration. Say, oh, yet another of these guys that just wants to just go faster and, you know, he knows what to do. I don't know. I haven't asked them either. I don't want to put the omen on anybody. <laughs> I just think it's very weird. This is, you know, I have this story. I'm going to make a parenthesis about 
corruption in, 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 in the Philippines. I remember I was, I had a driver and uh, although I don't like cars, I like to drive sometime to time to time. And during the weekends, I would suddenly take the car and drive it myself uh, in, in Manila. And I had tainted glasses, so nobody could see me, but I will always clearly remember I was at a Japanese restaurant uh, in central Manila, Makati called a Sirena, I think it still exists. They have a, a secret, uh, menu for Japanese only because they, they were maybe that does not the case anymore. They were importing directly from Tsukiji market. Mm. Uh, so I would I went there, you know, had food, and then on the way back, as like not ten minutes, not sorry, not not ten seconds. I was on in the car, had like this this police like like on a moped, you know, putting the the blue light, stopping me and saying, "Oh, you did a red light," like, and I was like. There's no red light mm. anywhere. And then I realized that probably either he or the, the guard of the parking in front of these restaurants saw me like foreigner entering the car and said, he's an easy target. And the guy was like, showed me like a, a like a paper, which has had a sum on it. It didn't feel like anything official. And he said, otherwise you come to the, to the police station. And what do you do? So here, again, I'm not here saying there's a good solution. Either you go to the police station, you can stay for eight hours. Exactly. Yeah. Just going to say that. Yeah, right. Or you pay a dollar, which is what basically what he's asking in a way that supposedly is official. And like, I don't know what to do. Um, and so, I meaning I'm very tortured about this. It's not something that I easily just like, you know, oh, here's a pile of cash to people. It's not something in my nature. Uh, so I, I don't know why I tell a story, but maybe, maybe I'm trying to forgive myself for having. Yeah, <laughs> of course, I can. I, but it also it. I now understand why it's taken us this long to talk to do this episode because you've been wrestling with this yeah, moral quandary about whether to talk about it. No, I, I don't want to. I'm glad you did. Yeah, I, I, I prefer my my default is always honesty. I always tell the truth, but it's also uh, yeah, I don't want to tell people you should do that when you enter Pakistan, because it's not, you don't have to do this. And you'll understand, especially when I go to the other airports. Uh, and probably, meaning I've never actually done Karachi airport in a normal way, like on my own, without having anyone helping mm -hmm. me. And it's probably very hard because again, there's like, in this immigration hall, there's, it's, it's chaos. It's absolute chaos. And I've asked many of my now friends in, in Karachi, and they all look, laugh when I talked about the airport, like, yeah, come on, Paul. It's just a mess. We all know. We all fight. We all. It's like it's for them. It's a given thing. But I, it's easier when you're there. Like if it's easy when if I criticize Zurich or Geneva Airport, it this is my home, so I feel more at ease criticizing them uh, than if I of trying to you know, yeah. You know, I've been as you know, Alex. Uh, I've been in the past very generous with some of the airports, especially in emerging countries. You remember my description of Beirut Airport, which probably I was overly generous when I said it was yeah. nice. Because I have a, I will say, I still liked a lot Karachi Airport, but that experience is something, you know, the first thing you see in a country is your first arrival mm -hmm. and that will mark me forever. And I was in this, yeah. So that's the, why does it matter though? Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll go to a few other bits after. What does it matter a lot? How long are we further? Yeah, an hour, so we're fine. I'm not going to do it too, too much longer. What does it matter? Because the day... I left on that trip and I left from Lahore. I'm going to go later, a bit later on why, uh, on how I went to Lahore because that's an interesting story. But when I leave Lahore, 
airport. Uh, a, a bit more modern airport. I think it dates from the early 2000s, so it's more modern. Still a bit of a chaos. <laughs> when I leave, I, I am at uh, uh, passport control to exit the country. And I give my passport. And uh, there's only one stamp. There's no sticker, nothing in it, right? And the only assumption I had made, and by the way, they still remain assumptions to this day, is that because they moved on to an electronic system, they do not put a sticker on it. They just put a stamp of entry and then a stamp of exit. You know how they put your passport on the reading machine when you get out of basically every country. So the guy stamps my passport, puts on the machine, probably by habit, you know, stamps first, put the machine, especially he sees probably a Swiss passport is going to be fine. They cannot find my records. Mm-hmm. Though, and I'm like, after 15 minutes staying in line, so I'm blocking the entire line of foreigners because I was a single line. <laughs> they, they say, follow me. Oh my God. And I'm like, you know, have you seen the movie Argo? <laughs> At that point, I'm like, I feel like I'm in Argo. I'm like, the plane is about to leave. I need to clear, <laughs> I need to clear immigration. No, of course not. Really, guys, I'm not saying that because I love Pakistan. I'm going to tell the story afterwards about the country itself. But I'm, I'm wondering to this day if... If the way I enter the country, so it could be many things. It could be simply that the computers were not in sync between Karachi and Lahore because they're two different cities, uh, and maybe you know their their IT systems. And you know, it's not talking. We know IT, BA's IT systems are completely effed up. So maybe you know the <laughs> immigrations are not linked. So they just couldn't find my. And I remember going into that room with a supervisor. You know, that's very movie like, and they were talking in Urdu. I can maybe barely understand five words of Urdu. So I'm like, and you know, I'm being just standing there like, what's going on? Should I? And the guy, they, they were really nice about it, right? The guy was like, yeah, you know, probably a computer problem. Don't worry. Then he said, your, your name is too long. I'm like, oh my God, what do you mean your name is too long? <laughs> and then the supervisor looked, tries as well on the computer. That's how I could see because then the computer is in front of me. I could see the little wheel going and not finding my records. He removes the passport and he looks at me you know, and does with a hand like the, go, like, go away now. And I'm like, okay. And I left and I went through security and I was in, Argo was successful. (laughs) Wow. But I will always, until I came for the third time, which I'll come to in a few minutes, I was like, did I ever enter the country or did I ever leave the country? So were you thinking about that when you went back? Yeah, I would have been too. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, I'm going to have an issue at the border. But this time I said, you know what? The third time, the charm, I'm not going to ask for any. So I was this time, the third time, I was not going to Karachi. I was going only to Islamabad. That's the one I did in, in August. And so I had to go through the e, the e visa again. The good thing, very good thing, is that when you enter the e visa again, you just log into your profile and everything is already there. So all my past travels. Oh, that's good. Were, Yes. I just had to add the few I had done between May and August, which were two or three. So um, I don't remember which ones, but there are three. And and that, that was it. So that's great. So that was done super quickly because all the information was still correct. So I just had to say the new dates of entry and you just have to declare where you're going to stay. And that was it. And I got the, the process a bit. It seems to be manual on the other side because the first time I went, I used that system, I got an email of confirmation within 12 hours that my visa was clear, which simply means that you can come to Pakistan and they will give you the visa because it's still a visa on arrival thing. You have a letter and a number that just says, when this person arrives and lands in Pakistan, he's fine. Okay. Uh, or she's fine. And the second time, after 12 hours, I'm like, hmm, 
I'm not getting uh, anything. Uh, After three days, I have the High Commission of Pakistan, so responsible for visas here in London, sending me an email. Can you send us a CV? And I'm like, what? So, <laughs> uh, however, I will. They were. There were politicians and other important people at that last conference I went to, and I'm wondering if they were not doing background checks on me. I, well, again, I don't know. I would never ask. <laughs> but maybe because, you know, some there were some high-profile people attending that third conference, the one in August, and maybe that time that's why my visa approval was delayed because it's not simply, oh, you can come give a speech. It was like we need to make sure that guy is not dangerous. Maybe, it's, maybe I'm just making this up. It took me two weeks this time to get my visa cleared, whether 12 hours the first time. So it's still, it's still very kind of, I haven't made uh, any pattern out of how fast you can get your, your I visa. mean, do you think it's anything, uh, it surely has to be linked to the fact that you, Jason, borned your way out of the country? Uh, maybe, 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 I will, uh, maybe. However, when I entered that time, and you know, no one was waiting for me, I mean, really the, the proper way, let's say, that was done in, um, it was fine. I was on the on the system, but then I also saw what I sh probably should have happened the first time. But I'll get now to the comparison. Uh, I got that letter that I told you that you you print out that authorization uh, letter. Yep. They gave it. this they, they stamped it and it gave it back to me. And when I exited, I had to show it, which I didn't have the first time, because you know, remember, I just the guy just over. Uh, Passed by everyone, says, stamp this passport, give me a passport, just fine, go. So I don't know. However, and that's important now, these three cities that I just mentioned, Karachi, Lahore, and Islamabad, are like three countries. They're <laughs> totally different. Yeah. So Karachi, and I think it's important, and that's, again, Pakistani friend, please, friends, tell me if I'm totally wrong. That's my own assumptions and maybe I'm wrong, but or maybe I'm not explaining it well, but I think after now having been so many times, I can, Karachi is a hustler city. Karachi is where probably more than 50, 60% of the GDP is coming. It's a port city. It's huge. It's probably between the fourth and the 12th biggest city in the world, wow. depending on how you count, but it's just 25 million people. I mean, just it's, it's hustling, it's big, it's chaos, it's messy, it's polluted, the roads are not taken care of, it's crazy. I love fell in love with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a, it's a biggest chaos. Uh, one of the biggest chaos I've seen worse probably, but one of the biggest chaos I've ever seen, which is why, by the way, I would not recommend going to Pakistan for the first time in Karachi if you've never done any emerging country before, mm -hmm. because it's overwhelming, because it's crazy, it's chaotic. There's lots of people everywhere. Lots, it's the pollution. You can feel. You can not. You can see the pollution. You can see like dust in the air all, at all times. It's really crazy, and it's because it's a hustler city. People go there to make a buck. It's like it, it, the number I just gave. I think 60% of the GP. You know, even London is only like 30%. New York is 20% of the GP US. So it's really like the entire economy revolves around that city. And you see everybody goes there and they are very, they're hustlers. They want to make money. They want to make a living. And that's really, so that not only the airport is the city. The fact that the airport is so chaotic is because the city is so chaotic. The philosophy of the airport, everybody, you know, rushing, and I want to be first is the city. Hmm. You know what I mean? It, it so it's is just really... a natural extension of the fact. Exactly. Okay. That's it's totally that. It's totally that. Lahore is also a very big city, 12 million people probably. Uh, so it's a very, very big city. 
But it's a quieter city. It's a city, some people say, of culture. It's also a city that was that is that was made from people that were farmers, so people that took care of their land. And the city itself, you can see that it's taken care of. You know, it's greener. The, the street, the first time I was like, the hell, the streets are all super yeah. nice. It's like it's like the, the people are t more taking care of the surroundings, not only what is just in front of them, which is more Karachi. That's interesting. And don't take it bad, people in Karachi. My favorite, because I'm going to make, my favorite city of the three is Karachi, because I love it. But you can feel that it's more everybody for its, for, for himself or herself. Whereas Lahore is a, also the, the way people speak. It's a bit slower. People walk slower. People are maybe more smiling, not that they're not smiling in Karachi because it's super hospitable, but the point is, and the airport is the same. The airport is, of course, is newer. I've said 47 for Karachi, 2000 probably something for uh, for Lahore. But when you arrive, when I arrive in Lahore airport, it's already more, it's, there's not chaos the same. I've never entered internationally because I, I flew domestically to Lahore, but it's, it's quite, it's nicer. And then Islamabad, man, Islamabad, there's a joke in Pakistan that says, which I never understood until going there. <laughs> Islamabad is two, two kilometers from Pakistan. And you're like, what do they mean? It's a planned city. Oh, it's a I city didn't that know only that. exists in the, since the 60s. Uh, so it, there was nothing. And what they mean is like, it's Switzerland mm. compared to the two others. Because first of all, it's planned. It's the government, you know, I said, one, Karachi is business. Lahore is probably more the culture, and, and I'm exaggerating to make a point, obviously. I'm not saying there's no culture in Karachi, et cetera. Sure. And Islamabad is a government. So it's like all the big, you know, the Supreme Court, everything, that's, that's Islamabad. And the airport, man, is also, I mean, it's brand new. It's like seven years old, maybe, or something, just pre-pandemic. It's, you arrive there, and it's like, oh, I'm like in Dubai. I mean, everything works. There's like a line that says, here's a foreigner for visa on arrival. Is business on arrival. Is like people with special visa. It's, and people are queuing normally. <laughs> like, so, and the city itself is super organized. The city is actually an Excel, an Excel, Excel spreadsheet. Our, my area where my hotel was, was G4, and next to it is G3, and over it, because it was built in a... Like in a, you know, with these square, like in the U.S., like these uh, chessboard cities, but they, they they didn't even care calling each area with it with a name. They just call it G4, G3, G2, I7, I8. So it's really like you're looking at an extra spreadsheet. It's super organized in the airport. It's super organized. I've never. It's and that's why the joke two kilometers from Pakistan because they say it is Pakistan because clearly you are. But it's not because it's way too organized it, to be in Pakistan. So that's interesting because the, if the airport experience was more organized, is that due to to the newness and layout and design of the architecture, or just the vibe? Okay, that's interesting. I think I think the city in general was everything was way more organized. The traffic. I mean, it's a much smaller city, but there's almost no traffic compared to the others. Everything is looks and feels way more organized. And this is not a shade of the two others when I say that. I'm not here making another preference as saying it, this should be the way. I'm just saying that it's so interesting how each airport is basically the reflection of the philosophy of each city. I remember people telling me when I went the first time in Karachi that how the North, everybody talks about the North. You know, in 2020, Condé, Condé Nast Traveler, uh, just before the pandemic, 2019, sorry, they said, 
the number one destination you have to visit is Pakistan. And when you're in Karachi, it's, I said, you know, it's very polluted. It's very brown because it's pollution everywhere. You can feel, you can see on the buildings that some buildings must have been really grandiose at some point, but they're a bit not really taken care of. And uh, whereas the more north you go, of course, the more green, greener it is because simply of the weather patterns, but also simply, I think, because people are more take care probably more of the land. And again, I'm, I'm going to maybe get hate, hate mail from people from Karachi. I'm remembering you. I'm re Karachi is my favorite city. The more north you go, the more green it is and the more beautiful it is. And it's true that the north, and I've only stopped at, at Islamabad, if you go even further north, which are the mountains, apparently, and I've seen pictures, it's just wonderful, man. It looks like a mix of New Zealand and Switzerland and wow. the, the Colorado and, and you're like, what? It's, it's it's impressive, right? It's really impressive. It's um it's it's so the three city three airports. It's it's really something uh, quite quite something. I, I fell in love with the three. I would say maybe because I live maybe because of what I said earlier. You know, I'm a Swiss and I I always were used to some organization. Maybe I love going to places that were a bit more chaotic. It's more my thing. Maybe so. Obviously, I have a thing for Karachi. I find. The people are just amazing. They're the most hospitable people I've ever seen in my life, man. That's, and, quite, and I can, that's saying a lot. Yeah, I mean, you and me know, we, we all have our maybe personal rankings. It's not even rankings. You feel, you know, some, you know, Eastern Europe, people I generally, at least the experience I've had, people, you know, were taking care of me a bit more, of course, Southern Europe as well. Greece, I mean, I cannot judge because I'm Greek myself, but, or Lebanon has always been off the charts for me. The Middle East is, is why I love the Middle East is because there's this maybe similar feeling of hospitality um, that I, and, and I must say, I'm, I'm probably biased because as someone who has a lot of Greek in me, it probably it's my kind of of hospitality as well. You know, I, I feel more at home because it feels closer to my culture. At first I thought, is that the ex-Ottoman Empire? Because every time I'm, of course, in Turkey or Lebanon, or they're like, they, they, there's something similar about the food, about the music, about the way people behave that is probably closer to me. Of course, it's different. And the Ottoman Empire didn't go to Pakistan or, or parts of the Middle East, by the way. So it's not the, the entire true explanation. But I feel a connection that I might not feel even, I don't I, I love Japan, as you know, but I don't have a connection, like a cultural connection. Sure. It's more like an affection than I have, right? Not a, whereas in I, I remember that I, I was in, sat in a bus, it was like one of these buses they organized for us to do a tours in, in Islamabad, a, a private bus. And uh, the locals were starting, you know, they had their phones, and it was a long ride of 45 minutes. And they, um, they were, playing music with their phones on Bluetooth on the, the speakers of the entire bus. And I was sat there and that's when I realized only in my third trip, I was like, the music felt really like Greek music to a certain oh, extent, this Desi music. And I was like, maybe that's it. Maybe that's why I love it so much because it feels, of course the food is amazing and you would love it. Of course the people are off the charts amazing, but it's probably, maybe there's something more that talks to me because of my culture. I don't know. It just, or maybe I'm just making this up in my head. I don't know. I think, you know, whatever affinity you experience with a place is your own, right? It doesn't, I don't think it's yeah. justification at all, but it's fascinating to hear the, the provenance of, of that affinity. 
Yeah. So maybe I'll stop talking about that. I'll go back a little bit to planes and then we'll move on. Because the second time, so the second time I flew, <laughs> so the trip that I did, the sorry, which was the last time. So the trip I did to Islamabad, I, you remember, summer, chaos at Heathrow. I suffered through it because I, I kind of knew it. I book a flight, Qatar Airways, and I'm like, there's only 15 minute, 50 minutes connection in Doha. And I'm like, with what's happening at Heathrow, you know, I even go on these websites, you know, that we, we both use when you have like this kind of on-time arrival or not type of, uh, you know, they, they tell you historical on-time departure on time uh, for a certain route. And you could feel that starting the summer, this was getting delayed more and more. And I'm like, mm. but at the same time, I didn't want to arrive to spend the night at Doha Airport. I said, you know, I'm going to take my chance yeah. so I can do arrive, I think, at 1 a.m. And then I want 50, I can take the second flight. And basically, because between of the time zones, I arrive like early, like middle of the night, but not too late. I can still sleep. And the next day, I'm there. And uh, obviously, we were delayed for 95 minutes at <laughs> So I knew that I missed, obviously, because there's no way to actually catch that in flight. I landed five minutes before the departure of my next flight. So, But Qatar, you know, amazing. Qatar Airways, you go out to the plane. As soon as you get out, somebody's waiting for me with a boarding pass. Here's a new boarding pass for the flight of next flight, which was the one in the morning, which meant I suddenly have six hours and something and some change to wait. So, well... It is what it is. Uh, I, I think I can still get something with EU two six one because because the flight started in the UK and I arrive at destination with more than seven hours. <laughs> so let's see if I can get something. But anyway, the point is, it was. I mean, Al Murhan Lounge is amazing. The business lounge. At that moment, I thought, should I not move to? We talked that at the top of the show. Should I not move my my um, loyalty to Qatar Airways because I fly them a lot more these days than BA. And if I wear the same status, but on the program of Qatar Airways, instead of being gold at BA, I would get access to that first class lounge. Whereas as Emerald, whatever, I mean, gold at BA, Emerald, what is it? The highest, I forgot. Uh, you cannot enter uh, the first class lounge. Not that I, it made any difference, the other one, but I was like, oh, I have six hours. Can I go? They said, yeah, you can, but it's hundred twenty dollars. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, but um, hundred and twenty. Yeah, it's like an upgrade. You can enter as an upgrade from your lounge because they want a limit. It's really apparently it's huge. I mean, I've been once actually. Maybe I've been just visiting. It's huge, and they want probably to limit the number of people. So it's really only for first class passengers on Qatar Airways or the highest. Um, level on their frequent flyer program so it must be really empty but i thought maybe i can you know find a place to sleep there because i couldn't find a place to sleep in the lounge i mean they were but they were not great and i was like i didn't want to pay the hotel anyway this doesn't matter i ended up the funny the funny thing is that i, I had to experience this for the second flight that morning flight it was a dreamliner to islamabad and uh, they also queue suite but honey, I shrunk the Q-suite. There's literally no room to build an actual Q-suite in a Dreamliner compared to a 350 or a 777. So it's, they call it a Q-suite, but it's basically what we see in American Airlines, BA, whatever, you know, like a, there's a door basically. But it's so don't get fooled, guys. If you ha if you are offered a Q suite in a Dreamliner by Qatar Airways, 
this is not the one you expect. It's cool. I'm not here comp complaining about it. I'm just saying it's not the same. It's not that plush, big, square thing. That's so like, it's a normal, you know, like know. herringbone. Yeah, it's okay, by the way. It's great. Um, <clears throat> two more things uh, that's always funny and interesting. As you know, uh, Pakistan is a dry country because it's Muslim. It's dry-ish because uh, if you're not a Muslim, you, you're, first, you're allowed, obviously, to drink. Interestingly, though, because so some uh, like international hotels, it was, for instance, I was at the Movem Peak in Karachi the first time. I was at the Pearl Continental uh, uh, in Karachi and in Lahore, the same name. Uh, you always have like a, a bar, which is not called a bar. So usually it's like either a smoking uh, lounge or a, a cig sorry, a cigar lounge, or it's uh, the pool bar. There's a there's actual pool and you can have a beer or a whiskey. The, the, the really interesting thing, and I'm not here um, saying that I was, they, they produce their own beer. There's a, so I drank Pakistani lager and IPA and, uh, and Pakistani whiskey. And we tried uh, the last trip in Islamabad, Pakistani vodka. It's very good. The beer is actually very nice. So who makes it? Uh, it's local. Back. Apparently, there's a big enough market. Uh, the country is like 220 million or 250 million. I don't know how, how big. So there's enough. And probably between the people who are not Muslims and the, the foreigners who live there and people that visit, there's a big enough market to justify having breweries. And so it's really cool. It's, it's really nice. It's, uh, and, and you know, the funny bit is that the first time I felt almost guilty. I'm like, oh my God, can I, am I allowed mm. to go there? Of course I am allowed, but then, you know, you don't really want to talk about it. It's hush, yeah. hush. And then my friends are like, so Paul, did you go to the bar? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, oh, come what? on. I know no. nothing. What are you talking about? <laughs> but it's interesting. It's, uh, in other words, it blew a lot. You know, I still have, not friends, because friends like you and close friends, we all are the same wavelength. But I still have uh, people I know, let's not acquaintances, people like acquaintances, whatever, that are raising an eyebrow when I said I go to Pakistan. Some some use, like some are almost like, are negative, let's say, about the country, you know, because of the preconceptions and stereotypes you have about the, the, the country. Which, you know, maybe I understand there's nothing, there's no stories on the in the media about Pakistan. There's nothing basically, right? Uh, only when I started living in the UK uh, had I started to learn a bit more about Pakistan because suddenly you have Pakistani people living here. Actually, I have one of my one of my neighbors here in the house not very far from where I am now. He's Pakistani and, and I, I, I talk to him very often because I wasn't exposed. But there's no th story. The only stories that a lot of people were, were, were getting through, especially 20 years ago when 9-11 was like, oh, you know, Bin Laden is there, and I'm, and it's sad because, as we all know, all countries are more and more complex than the story we hear. And and it's not only that I fell in love; I think it's one of the countries that needs to be visited more. I understand there's a lot of preconceptions that people have, but honestly, there's so much that I was what, hmm. like, totally unaware, totally surprised in a very very good way. Uh, I, I am. I, I obviously, clearly, you can feel. I, I fell in love with the country, with the people, especially because of the hospitality. The food is man. The food. I know. I was. The food. I was so jealous. I always overeat with that. There's a saying: you, if you don't gain, if you don't gain ten pounds when you're in Pakistan, you haven't done it properly, right? Because they and they eat all the time, and it's everything is amazing. Especially the meats. I'm a very meat guy. Uh, you can. A friend of mine was a. 
she is a, a vegetarian and she had a, a vegan actually she had a she very good time as well so it's don't it's not only meat but uh the meat oh my god <laughs> it now it's 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 wonderful it's chaotic so I, as i said earlier i would maybe not recommend this country to someone who's never done a, an emerging country because probably as a first emerging country it's overwhelming there are easier targets to go through, but someone like you, you would you you'd be a fish. I, I would love I would love to go there. Fish to see. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's yeah it's it's absolutely wonderful. And obviously, I get that. It's really funny because every single time I went there, every single time I took an Uber, yeah, it was always an Uber, uh, and every single time the driver was Pakistan. Hmm. Like, How are you going? I'm going to Karachi. <gasps> no way! And they stuck, and we talked forever. And on the way back as well. I mean, I know I'm doing a cliche by saying a lot of Uber drivers are Pakistani. They're not only Pakistani, trust me. The Pakistanis do. They're also CEOs of, of, of big firms. But it's just funny because it makes it even more a bit like people will tell me, oh, you need to go to, the, this, to this restaurant when you're in Karachi. Oh, you can talk to my brother. Here's his number. I'm That's like, That's so nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's man, it's, I, 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 I enjoyed it thoroughly. I, I would like, and I will go back very, very quickly. Last bit, because... That's probably the, the fun bit for Av Geeks. On my second trip, so I landed in Karachi and I went to Lahore. I explained to you that Lahore was when I were, where I was blocked on the way out, the Argo style uh, situation. How did I get there? I used PIA. This, uh, yeah. So, I, you, you said you've been very sparse even with me on details on this one because you wanted to save it. Actually, you know, so first, the, the uh, it's a bit dramatic, sadly. Um, I was booked the, the 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 year prior, so 2021. You know, I booked and then I canceled. Uh, I was booked a day or two different uh, from the PIA plane that crashed on landing in Karachi, 3:20. So obviously, when uh, I mean, not that I escaped it because it was not that plane. I was booked. Whatever, guys, don't make don't make up stories in your mind. But when the second time I had to book. From this time was the other way around because there's this conference, they change cities every year. They always do two and they change the order. So when I had to choose how to go from Karachi to um, Lahore, a lot of people were telling me, it took Serene. Serene Air is kind of a um, low cost, but a very it's very well rated. There's, you know, again, it's a country of 220 million people. So there's a, still a lot of uh, uh, poverty. So it's not a, as if it's a market of 220 million people yet, but there's like a lot of opportunities for airlines. So there's like multiple airlines. But in my head, I was like, it's maybe the only time I will actually do PIA because I will never fly them internationally. Mm -hmm. Are they still banned, by the way, in some yeah, countries? Yeah, oh, not, sure. Not, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I'm like, and, uh, you know, and there's there's something about uh, PIA. You know, I, I told the story at the very end of one episode, and then I'll go to the flight, and then we'll stop, because I think I've talked a lot oh, already. Is, is you know, the EK of Emirates stands for Emirates through Karachi. So in 19, uh, in the early, in the early 80s, when the Dubai royal family said, we want to launch an airline, who they reached out to to launch the airline? To Pakistani International Airline, to PIA. Because PIA back then was considered this amazing, you know, very solid company, a bit like 
not that I want to compare, but a bit like Olympic Airways back in mm -hmm. the days, also in the 80s, was considered like superb airlines. And then, you know, it all went all right. And yeah, really <laughs> they're not what they used to. They're like only a shadow of themselves. But they, so the, the BIA provided the training facilities to what became Emirates Airlines. It, they provided a cabin crew. They I, provided I, I, I always training material. This. And they even provided the first two planes. They were full Wetleys. Uh, so the two first aircrafts that Emirates ever had uh, in 84, 85 was our first flight, I think. So was was were from PIA, right? And so the first ever flight from Emirates was from uh, Dubai to Karachi. Uh, that I think it was in October uh, 85. And it was uh, uh, EK's... Something, something, something. I don't remember. Well, no, it's a round number. But it was, and it was, you know, royal people were inside from the royal right. family going to Karachi. And that's, and VIPs and whatever. And that's why they called Emirates through Karachi was, became EK and stayed that way. So to this day, EK, the fact that it's not called EM for Emirates or, or something like, is, is due to PIA and to Pakistan. And so there's also something probably a little bit, not, mm, I wanted to fly PIA because it has a story. Yeah, one of those so. those ancient, at least relatively, airlines. Yeah, yeah, and though and so I decided to fly them. Uh, a lot of my friends there were like, "Are you crazy?" But not in the way. Are you crazy? Because then I got the luck. Not are you crazy? Is going to crash. But are you crazy? The, the service is mm. eh, and it's too pricey for what it is. But I said, guys, I want to do it. So there's, I couldn't, I was like, ah, okay, at least I'm going to do a business, right? I couldn't f find any business. It was only something called executive economy, which actually is business. So what they do is like, because they don't have proper business seats, basically it's Europe. They took a normal seat and they put like a somebody, there's no one right. in the middle between the two. And they call that executive economy. And they just, they, there's not a lot of service more than an economy. You're just in the front. So it was nice. I was... I was in 1F, I think. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, it was nice. The crew was super friendly, was helping every single person put their luggage in the overhead bins. They were, I mean, honestly, it was a very, I mean, it's an hour and 30 minutes flight maybe or something. Very pleasant. It was on time. I got super lucky. I got, uh, was it a 320? Wait, it was a 320. It was, um, what do you call that? Um one of the ancient liveries, you know, like they, they do, um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know what you mean. A retro, a retro livery. Mm -hmm. So there was the old livery of PIA. Sadly, I couldn't really take a good picture. I would imagine the way yeah. the layout of the airport, but it was, I mean, the interior was nothing retro. The interior was a proper yeah. 320 and nothing to report on. And it was honestly, I landed to in, in, it was a very early flight, like 8 a.m. Uh, and I landed in, in Lahore and I was like, this is, it was more than okay. And actually there was one person that was going to the same conference with, oh. with me. And I talked, I mean, he gave me a tip for Karachi. There's on domestic, uh, that's going to be the last thing I'm going to describe the airport and then it's done. The domestic, there is um, a few lounges, but that, they don't give you lounge access, even if you're an executive economy SPIA. But because he was traveling with me, he was a head of IT for the, the organization that, was, was, uh, that invited me. He said, yeah, follow me. And we went to a lounge, which is a private lounge. It's owned by a bank, I think Alpha, but I'm not exactly sure, Alpha Bank, I think. And it's open to anyone who has an Amex card. Mm. So 
I just had to show the fact that I had an Amex card. I mean, I have one. And that was it. It was a super nice lounge. Had a croissant and coffee. And uh, they call you when you're supposed to go to the gate. And it was super... It was a very, very nice experience. I, I had um, a luggage in the, in the hold. So when I arrived in Lahore, the only weird experience of all this, again, maybe because I was the only foreigner... I'm waiting. I'm one, of course one F. So I'm the first kind of the first one to get out, and I'm waiting at the luggage belt for my luggage. And this this uh, security officer comes to me and says, uh, "Can I see your passport?" Like, of course, you know, I'm not gonna mess around. So this is my passport. It takes a picture with his phone of it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I'm not gonna ask why. And that was it. I was. Let go. I mean, let go. You didn't even block me. I took my luggage and I was up because, again, it was domestic. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, I would say for Afgeeks, um, the Karachi airport, old airport, chaotic on both ways. Man, when you try to get back uh, to, to enter the airport, whether it's domestic or international, there are queues. And, you know, like everybody's trying to go, but only if you're ticketed can you get into the mm -hmm. terminal. You know, it was one of these like double security thing. Print print your itinerary to kind of prove because you don't have a ticket yet to prove that you can enter and then uh, it's chaos it's absolute chaos so ticks be early at karachi the, the airport is very weird like it's a huge huge hall with like chandeliers that are probably like 30 meters high and there's like a big window in the middle and separates because you can see basically the domestic on one side and the international on the other on the international side there's a few lounges Again, everything is about tipping. It's mm. crazy. I didn't have access to any. They, they look at you and say, oblige me. So oblige me basically means give me a tip and I'll make it work for you. That's the key word I understand. Like, that's going to write that one down. Yeah. And uh, so they, they basically opened an entire floor for lunch for me just because I gave the guy the equivalent of $1. <sighs> because I wanted, I had like three hours. I was way too early. I had like three and a half hours. I was like, well, I'm going to do now. And there's no lounge access. And I was like, okay. And uh, yeah, so again, I'm sorry. Maybe I shouldn't have done it. But then I had a, my entire lounge for me with a guy who every five minutes, do you want another coffee? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Lahore, also, Lahore is similar. Uh, it's a bit more newer, but also when you ex when there's lounges, it's also a bit chaotic. The lounges are not very nice, so don't spend too much mm -hmm. time there. But also, if you want, so for instance, these airports are non-smoking. Okay, that's the rule. If you want to smoke, you pay a guy something, and basically you can smoke. It's just crazy. Really? <laughs> I was not expecting yeah. you to say that. Yeah. Yeah, you, I, I saw. Yeah, it was. You know, they're like, uh, do you want to? Do you want to smoke? I'm like, uh, no, but can you? Because I was curious, like, can you? And go, yeah, yeah. And then basically they they get you uh, like in the back room of the the so the staff part of the lounge, and people are smoking there. And you're like, what is going on wow. here? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very very weird. And Islamabad Airport is brand new, so this is built, I think, by was it uh, designed by maybe British oh, company sure architects? Very nice, uh, very airy and windows and super views everywhere so that's a very 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 the old airport was a capacity and it's uh so it was only closed again maybe six years ago and they opened six years ago this one maybe 2017 maybe or something like that really 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 nice i was again too early uh, but everything is so smooth at this one compared to the other where it's chaos and you're like <gasps> i'm not so gonna make the, 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 the thing because it's like the queues and 
And you have, again, uh, these queues in Karachi and Lahore, security officers looking at me and making me a sign, do you want to Do you want to overtake everyone? Which you know is code for... Pay me. He, I didn't, because I wasn't so early. So anyone I'm like, hey, whatever, I'm going to wait in the queue. But one piece of advice, push a little bit when you queue, otherwise people overtake. <laughs> but not in Islamabad, everybody is so orderly. It's just different. And, you know, even when I let, when, you know, PIA, when I landed in Lahore... You know how even in Europe, as soon as the plan arrives at the gate, people are all standing up like ready to go and it's like a race and you're like, why? The door is not even open and your people kind of stand up. Then, you know, you hear the ding. And then there's, yeah. Nobody, nobody. Really? I was the only one. And I'm like, am I doing a mistake? You know, one F. So I, I stand up, I look back and like, why is everybody? And then I got it because they just... You know, we didn't need to uh, so, because it was orderly. Anyway, so it's a, very, it's a country of contrast for airports very as well. Uh, if you like um, views, uh, there are uh, more than 30 abandoned aircrafts on wow. Karachi grounds. Lots of PIAs and some few others, including some cargo from airlines I'd never heard about. Uh, there's, uh, but the PIA one, like you have old, old ones, uh, I've heard that the one, the foreign ones are like a bit of the story you told me about the fines in, was it, where was Lentia, it? Yeah. yeah, where was it? Yeah. There are aircraft where have no, like they are in, in just, custody yeah, bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they just stay, <laughs> they, they staying there. Uh, but it's great for pictures. We can take uh, lots of, lots of uh, nice pictures. Uh, and in Doha, same, you have Dreamliners and 350s next to the runways that are still there um, laying around. And I love that. To finish off, I was super, super happy because last flight with Qatar, the same, I had also a retro livery. So the old I Qatar didn't really had one. It, yes! It's like this kind of, you know, the same color the Qatar use, like this kind of mm -hmm. violet mauve. Yeah. So it's uh, like a big line, feels like from the 70s. Super I've cool. never seen it. Uh, Again, inside, it's almost kind of you want, you wish they made something inside yeah. as well, but good enough. I mean, so I had like two retro liveries, so the PIA one, and so I felt, I felt very cool. There you go. Um, what an adventure! There you go. I, I, spoke, I spoke forever. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. Been, I've been looking forward to this for so long. This you've uh, I hope inspired I, me. Friends from. Pakistan, if I said something that is completely out of line or wrong, just correct us. I'm sure I'm going to get like thousands. And I want to make a shout out, man. Where is he? I've, I've written this. At Tabrik on Twitter, T-A-B-R-I-Q. He wrote us in end of 2018 on Twitter. I, Paul and Alex, couldn't resist writing you after hearing that you may be doing an episode on Karachi Airport. I live here. And I am a total av geek, so please do let me know if I can be of any help to you. So, the break. It took me well, twenty four years. Here you go. I've done an episode on Karachi. That's amazing. What a legend. So, Tabrik, please, please, uh, if you hear this, maybe he's not, because maybe he dropped and stopped listening. But if you're still a listener and you have anything to add, please uh, hit us up on, on Twitter. And uh, I'd, be very, it would be, I'd be very happy to correct the record if I made That's, it. That's oh, cool. Well, yeah, four years is better than late than never. <laughs> late than never, late than never. 
Maybe because we have a few more minutes. I mean, one of the weird thing that, uh, I, I, first of all, I could say so much more about Pakistan, but I've said already, I spent more than an hour talking about it. I may add some stuff if people really want to, but I think that's that's good enough for the moment. Uh, oh yeah, just don't do uh, plane spotting. Don't, you know, it's like Beirut, man, or maybe, I don't know if it was the case in Medellin for you, do not take pictures of official buildings. Uh, it's going to be in yes. trouble. Um, yeah, I was wondering that when you saw we're talking about taking pictures. Yeah, now in these countries, be don't be mm, silly. Mm. Uh, and, and a lot of stuff might not look military, but around the airports, yeah. you often have a military base, like in Karachi, on the other side, I think, is it Karachi or Lahore? There's a, you have military, a, a little military base. Um, so don't, you know, don't take pictures. You don't want to be <laughs> arrested. I took a picture in the city once of a building, not knowing it was uh, an official building. And somebody came to me, super cold, the soldier. He even wanted to invite me for food afterwards. I was like, what? Oh. <laughs> so they are very nice. But they said, you cannot. I said, oh, sorry. I didn't. So just pay attention to that. I'm a, don't, 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 don't do stupid things. It's all, it's the case in all the countries. I mean, we talked about yeah. Lebanon, you experienced. Yeah. So don't, yeah, don't, don't. Don't be stupid. Anyway, um, we, I mean, uh, Queen Elizabeth II passed. Now it's been, what, two weeks? I mean, of course, it's sad, but because we are a um, uh, aviation show, there were some quirky stories, especially the, the announcements in, in flights, right? Yeah, some of those were, that popped up on social media were uh, touching. And there's the... Probably the most noted, notable one was the the BA flight with the the, the flight attendant openly weeping as the the weeping. captain put together this impromptu almost eulogy. It was it was it was it was beautiful. I think that's the only only way to describe it. But there were a lot of those, and you and I both remarked, I think, in a chat that how how surreal that must have been to hear that announcement. Um, absolutely yeah absolutely I mean you there was a few also I saw on we exchanged about it a few um, pictures of the the NOTAMs mm. and so you had like so I don't I don't think pilots were required no. to do so to do the announcements but it was so th all BA pilots and I've seen also from EasyJet they received this you know the onboard messaging thing they receive like, uh, and I have one from BA. It says here, attention, all aircrafts to be read at your discretion. And then their sentences, it is with great sadness that we have learned that of the passing of Her Majesty the Queen, our thoughts are with the royal family at this very difficult time. So it was at your discretion. The, the pilot you mentioned, the story we heard, he went further. And I'm sure there were others other in other aircrafts landing or departing when that's, that was uh, that was announced. There was a very similar message on... Um, on EasyJet's um, uh, messaging system, it's. it's I, but the, the weirdest for me was was it Catwick who decided to do like a one minute silence and all mm -hmm. comes, like uh, for I don't know when it was exactly, but they said no one no one communicates on yeah. all our frequencies. They did some. It was <laughs> almost like a meter, wasn't it? Like part of the weather and operational announcements that come out. Yes. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, you have to think because everything else was so well planned and for decades probably that this was, yeah. and airlines thought, yeah, we should probably have a, a task force looking at this in like 1996. 
Uh, and then finally they're like, oh, well, yeah. well, we've already all got this written. Somebody go and dust off the folder and, and send out the notum and invoke whatever, you know, processes we have, we, we have developed. That's my, my hunch. I would hope I it's almost so. sort of, think, you know, yeah. not disaster planning, but disaster planning. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I did wonder what it would have been like to be on a flight and how they would tell you and, and any, you know. Were you affected, by the way, because you flew no. the day before, because there were like so many VIPs and you know, notables and politicians and the head of states who came on the Sunday. Some friends flew. And Saturday, yeah. They fly on Sunday or Monday from London to San Francisco. And I can't remember. I, I haven't actually asked them, but I'm sure that it was, they would, they, they're not frequent flyers through Heathrow, like well, I'm doing it once a year. So they wouldn't have noticed a difference, but I'm very sure that you and I, or anybody else that flies through Heathrow reasonably regularly would have noticed a difference. Oh, they also cancel. I think Heathrow also canceled. This is not because of the, the head of states, but Heathrow also canceled some flights because they decided not to have any planes flying overhead over London during the procession, the actual funeral, and then the, I think they, they went with a coffin to Windsor. So I think they, they, that disrupted their operation to the point, I think they, they canceled, I think, 15% of the flights at the day of the funeral, something like that. I'm not sure about the numbers, but they did out of... Actually, I remember I was watching, actually. Uh, it was, they gave us a bank holiday, so I had the BBC on in the background. And, you know, I can hear the flights from where I live. And, uh, like, probably five minutes before, I could see that they stopped flying. And it was not, usually they, they switch at 3 p.m. It was nothing to do with 3 p.m. And then there was nothing, no single flight for almost the rest of the day. And they restarted the evening. So probably that disrupted also a bit on, on the Monday. But quite extraordinary that all this yeah. happened, actually. Yeah, it, it was... I wasn't here for the for the funeral or any of that bit, but the rest of it was was yeah. um, a truly monumental thing to witness, at least on the periphery. Yeah, it, yeah, it was absolutely was. It's um, yeah. I mean, and then of course her yeah. her her coffin flying down from uh, Aberdeen. No, Edinburgh in the end, I suppose it would have been, was this was the most tracked flight in Flight Radar 24's history by, I think, orders of magnitude. That was a um, Hercules or something? I think it was, think it was a, 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 a C-17, although maybe I'm messing that, m making that up. That's crazy when you think about it, actually. Yeah, it's, they, uh, it was, yeah, they, uh, yeah, it was a C-17. An RAFC seventeen, and it was uh, five million people. <laughs> God, it's. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I didn't track that one, but oh, I didn't know that. Wow, it's yeah, quite a quite a story. I think it's one of these global stories. Probably people were. Uh, I mean, it was still a shock. Of I mean, course, you know, I'm not. You know, I was not born here, but. I think it's been said so many times, uh, I'm not going to add anything to saying that, but I think it's the only monarch I mm. knew oh, in my yeah, time. Sure. You know, we knew it you know, probably yeah. was still kind of, uh, wow, you know, like, plus it's since it's a time of turmoil, like, yeah, oh now my what? God, not another thing. I mean, I've had enough of already emotions by Federer. Oh, you know, I know. I just think of you when that came out. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's, um, he was our monarch in Switzerland. <laughs> I guess. 
<laughs> uh, sí. So maybe you know because uh, you are better informed than me. I've heard that she didn't. So the Queen, we're not talking about Federer here. She didn't have a passport. Yeah, I've I've heard she that. She doesn't too. need a passport because like my face you is on the money. Let me in. <laughs> well, exactly right, and uh, because she flew a lot, I read something. She 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 went to like nearly 200 countries which obviously with you know which is incredible there was a picture floating around uh, when she passed when and she's seen leaving a concord in kuwait so she even flew a concord obviously but also a concord in places that were not really flying because usually you associate concord with new york new york or yeah. london obviously so i mean she must have seen quite uh, quite uh, a lot of uh, of aircrafts as well there must have been uh, and obviously I mean, people know that, but the Terminal 2 in London at Heathrow is named after her. It's yeah. called the Queen Terminal. She opened it in, uh, when was it? Um, 2012? Yeah, something like that. I don't want to say I'm not sure either. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're living here. We forgot <laughs> about it. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah. Um, obviously, the okay, that's a joke, guys. But obviously, the French. So, I just said earlier. So... Heathrow and other airports, they reduced the number of flights in the UK on the Monday of her funeral. And the French, they couldn't let that happen. So they they went on strike and 50% of their flights were were on uh, were canceled that same Monday. So, you know, they would say, yeah, look at us. We are actually canceling more for the Queen than you do because we're striking. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I want to, because we're going to wrap up soon. I want yeah, I want to say hi to Vinod and Geoff there from the podcast Fly... No, sound one seat one a, but I think it's fly one seat fly seat one a on 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 Twitter. I might say maybe I'm wrong, guys. I'm sorry. So seat one a, it's a cool podcast about aviation. We talked about them in the past. The reason I mentioned them is because they came both to London, uh, and I saw them both on separate oh, occasions. Cool. Each of them uh, in London. It was really nice uh, to talk, obviously, about aviation. I mean, Jeff was on, a, was on some kind of world trip after he was going to Germany, and from Germany was going to, I think, South Africa, and then South Africa to Botswana, and he was flying so many different airlines. So he's probably is going to talk about this in one of his shows. It must be very fascinating. And 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 uh, Vinod was here. So Vinod, man. If you've never listened to uh, to f that podcast, Vinod works for the broadcasting company of the Olympics. So he went in Japan during the Olympics oh. and in China during the Olympics. And he has, and we spent three hours having a beer discussing that, the most incredible stories about the number of tests and what he had to go oh, through I to enter these countries and being in bubbles and being and it's insane and he discussed that he, i think they have one episode when they discuss that a bit it's insane man it feels like science fiction nowadays to talk about this but uh must have been quite uh <laughs> quite something to, to be so are you looking uh, to go to japan yourself uh, i mean i've looked at the prices lately and i think uh they're too prohibitive right now but i think um maybe maybe the spring Yeah. Maybe just yeah. I'm 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 on the same inkling. I, I'm not sure. I mean, I know myself. I will I will have to f keep fighting myself not to book for tomorrow. But um, <laughs> because obviously I want to go. I mean, not tomorrow. Uh, the 20th of September is not even open yet. I'll be just sitting there. Refuse. I'll be staying at the, at Haneda for for two weeks in front of the booth. Waiting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> When it opens, I'll be the first one to, to arrive. Visa visa. <laughs> 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 um, oh, 
I need to say one more thing about Qatar Airways for somebody. It's because it's weird. Uh, you know how, how uh, all the airlines kind of reduced what they've done during the pandemic, either their service, their fleet, everything. Qatar Airways, for some reason, decided to build a second lounge in T4. So you have two lounges at T4 now. Two. It's very confusing when you go there. I was... So the second time, of course, it was not a T5 anymore. They had moved back to T4. And it was like, oh, they have a very nice lounge. And I arrive and I see two entrances. And I'm like, this is probably the same. And I enter the first one because I didn't know, I thought yeah. it was the same. And they said, no, no, this is not the correct one. And in my head, I'm like, mm, is it only for first class? No, actually, they, they have one, the old one. You can enter as Emer so as One World, Flying one world, and if you're in uh, business class, so if you're any, of course, if you're in first class in any airline from one world, if you're in business class, uh, so be a silver, be a gold, you can enter and you can bring a guest. And then next door, they build a brand new Qatar only, so only for Qatar pe people flying to Qatar Airways, only business in first, obviously. You cannot bring a guest there, and it's really, really and they have nice. And you like guys, movement to, money. Su to to sustain that? Well, clearly they do. I mean, first of all, they have enough money, oh, yeah. probably. You know what? I don't know how it works for lounges. Maybe one day we should uh, we should probably invite someone who deals with lounges. Probably there's like not commissions, but a system of like. Like if 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 you as a BA flying on BA today, I mean you're not flying out of BA at no. T4. I don't know what else would be from T4. Finnair, Finnair flies T4, or T2 now. I can't keep I up. Know. There's been like musical terminals lately. Keep up, exactly. But I guess you know maybe they get a they get something if if it's somebody else. I see. Else's, I, I don't see. Know. Yeah, there's probably some. Per I mean, they're not huge. You know how T4 is not that big. So they're not like huge no. lounges. They're not like the size of some of these lounges we see elsewhere in the world. But yeah, so note that the second one when you get there is the one for Qatar. If you're flying Qatar, it's it's a, it's the newest one. It's super nice. There's like a little lounge and a bar and a wine place. And wow. a, <laughs> you're like, what? I mean, it's, it's a lounge, but it's, it's, uh, I, I, I mean, it's nice. So yeah, I don't, you know, and I'll f let's finish with that. We said earlier, I, I don't know about you. Do, you. do you feel as excited about products that you used to or no. not? As in? That's waned massively. <laughs> right? I have to say, yeah. it's horrible to say that on a podcast about aviation. But I don't, like I flew, it was, I mean, look, it was amazing to be on the Q suite, you know, like for two big flights in a row into Pakistan. But, I mean, I'm very happy, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to do that again because why not? But the veneer fell off yeah. somehow. I was like, yeah, it's cool, but not like, yeah. wow, no, I, it, I think it's horrible. I, I don't think you're alone there. It's I don't know how to feel. Like even like I'm, my next flight is with Emirates, and I'm of course I'm looking forward. Excuse me, next flight, but I'm not. I don't have that mm. sense of anticipation that I used to have. It's horrible to say that when I hurt. When no, I, 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 I'm with you, and I think it's a lot to do with uh, just this general fatigue of the of the process has taken the sheen off the actual sheen. Ah man, guys, stick with us. We promise you, we'll flying is terrible. Like... Everybody is, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to become a wine podcast. We're going to fly. So... <laughs> We should do that, actually. 
So guys, by the way, take a look at, uh, I said it at the start, Alex's attache on how oh, does he pack. Do you agree? Or do you, I don't, I don't, we do, I don't fully agree, but it's because I have different yeah, habits probably. But it, it was, it was, uh, no, no, but it's fun. Uh, it's, it's a short, but fun, uh, fun little episode. And then, uh, Next flight, so I'm not. You understood our flight Emirates. I'm not going to tell you because it's going to be super. I don't even know why I do. I that, like it. I, no, I think it's a good idea. Maybe. Tune in next week. It's going to be a yeah. different destination we've never done. I've never I've done. certainly never done. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be cool. Maybe the next episode will be about it. But I know that you'll be also where you you leaving actually tomorrow, which is why we're doing this this afternoon. Are you going by train or by oh, by train? Are you kidding? Plane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Paris, Paris and there's no way that I would go anywhere other way of course the, I'm going to get stuck in the tunnel now so having said that <laughs> uh, so you, you're probably going to enjoy that I hope you're staying for a night at least to go some yep, good, good stay food for a few and, nights uh, gonna, yeah, a few nights make a, make a little nice. weekend of it uh, yeah coming, with, coming you, with me we're, we're, uh, has, she, has she ever been she to Paris she was there a week ago so. <laughs> oh well, what a life. Sorry, I thought it would be very romantic. You'll make her discover Paris. Well, it's no. the first time we've been uh, together, so it'll be good to... to I yeah. thought it's going to be romantic. So I'm going to go to Disneyland. Of course. <laughs> Man, I enjoy that. Um, so great to thank finally you hear that. Thank you for bearing with my very, very long... Uh, without notes uh, description of uh, my travels um, next time is gonna be so besides uh, sorry besides Paris any nothing imminent no within the yeah it's also the thing I've, it's very slower than you so Mathieu who was saying that Paul you don't talk about your flights but first of all I've done it now and the others that have required required ask me about this i've done it so please stop <laughs> harassing me about these pakistan trips oh, now i'm sure they're going to say you didn't talk enough about qatar airways yeah because i already talked like an hour and 20 minutes that's enough uh the the difference is that in 2018 and 2019 we couldn't keep up with all the flights we we're doing yep. to do episodes i mean i I have so many flights and airports. I have a list because every time Alex was going to an airport, I was noting it down. And I was noting, of course, mine's down. And I have a huge list of airports that we've, we're hitting, but we never yeah. had the opportunity to do on the podcast because we're flying. Now it's opposite. the opposite yeah. because we're flying more in a, I mean, it's a post-pandemic world crisis, whatever, but it's, um, so maybe we should do a little bit of a reminiscence at some point yeah. or something. I mean, um, I like yeah. that idea. Anyway, I'm going to play the end intro, unless there's something else I, I want to so. say, because I've talked a lot. So next time, actually, you know what? Maybe next time it's not going to be again me. It's going to be him. I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot to imagine a, a travel or something. Uh, where is the button for the end credit? Here it is. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. So, uh, this, is the, this is the busy season for speaking, so you never know what's going to pop up in the last minute. Yeah, I have a few uh, speaking on online, which is not like next week. I'm doing something in Manila online. I'm like, really? Oh, I would have totally. preferred going to Manila. I've got one in Colombia uh, online. Like, I can come if you really want me to. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. But that's the other thing, probably. Uh, yeah, many friends of mine are telling me that uh, corporates are not, still not flying. And by the way, they're not even flying yeah, business class. This is true. Flying they're saying economy, so you know it's another conundrum for the airlines right here. This is very true. Uh, I don't know, man. Guys, it's not a downer. Please fly. Give us feedback yes, on your flight. Yes, Tell yes, us yes, how yes, amazing yes. it is. Like prep us up because we, we probably <laughs> I don't know why we finish on these notes. 
Anyway, Alex, thank you. Safe travels, guys. guys. Happy flying.